Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. As always, I am Brent Young, joined by my comrades, my partners, my uh, men in shining armor tonight. They they look spectacular. They look ready to rock. They look ready to roll. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel. Aaron, how are we? You know, I can't believe that we finished at number two in the AP, moved up in the coaches, and I'm feeling way better than I anticipated feeling. Okay. Okay. We're, we're definitely going to dive more into that. But before we do, Chad, how are we? Pretty good. We haven't had any doctor's appointments in like four days, three days. So yeah. that's, a, that's a, win a win in the Brendel household right now. <laughs> that is a win. Agreed. Well, you know, speaking of wins, Bearcats pulled out a victory. They won. They won the game on Saturday, ranked number two in the country. We really don't really need to talk much more about that game other than the fact they won, right? That That's the end result that we needed, and we can move on from that game? Or or what are you guys thinking? I mean, I've got plenty to talk about. <laughs> when have we ever done that? We have never done that, ever. So let's talk about it. Obviously, a game that has been highly critiqued, one that is going to bring more uh, buzz around it, if you will, than – the drubbings that the team has been putting up recently. It's a 27 to 20 victory against Navy. Uh, you could also call it a 27 to 20 victory against a triple option attack. You could also call it a 27 to 20 game against a team that ran 35 more plays than the Bearcats did offensively. Uh, a, a 27 to 20 game that was 27 to 10 at the end of the third quarter uh, going into the fourth quarter. I, you can really look at this game so many different ways. But broad picture, diving in, Aaron, we'll start with you. What is just your broadest, biggest takeaway from the game? I mean, we knew they weren't going to win every game the entire season in some stupefying, amazing fashion. We knew that they were going to face some type of adversity. But they're 28-point favorites. And the triple option gave them that adversity. Right. I I knew when people were starting to put like 50s up in their you know their predictions and stuff. I knew that just Navy's going to run the ball and they're going to run the clock accordingly. So I didn't see it going into the 50s. I think I only had 42. I think we actually had the same score pr- predictions at 42 to six. You and I, Brent. But uh, you know you got out with a win, and at the end of the day, wins are what matter in the. Uh, at least to, at the first glance uh, when, when looking at the, uh, the record there. And by the way, we did not coordinate that game heading into it. Uh, you and I picking the same scores. We did not coordinate that. Correct. We did not. Okay. Okay. Just want to get that out there on record. Chad, it is um, time for me to hear your, you know, we, we got your bites and, yeah. and they were really great. They, they're really great points of view, but you gotta, you gotta let us know. A couple days later, take a step back. Your main takeaway from the game. Got to get off the field on third down against a triple option team and fourth down. You know, they allowed Navy. It's We talked about this a little bit here and even more on the BCJ podcast. If you don't get off the field, like one first down is critical because if you can get off the field on third down and get a three and out, then they only get to run two, two and a half minutes, you know, off the clock on you. Yep. If you get to second, 
set of downs. Now you're at five, six minutes. You get to the third set of downs. Now you're at seven, eight minutes. And it just keeps adding up. And this team simply did not do a good enough job getting off the field. I mean, that's, like I said in the bites, I thought, and, and it played into it, obviously. But in what I was trying to convey there was, from what I remembered of the 2018 game, was that they had a bunch of success on early downs. And that actually wasn't the case when I went back and, and looked at the numbers. Navy actually had, I, I think, what well, I, I don't remember the exact, they had almost 130 of their 170 yards in that game on first down. Right. Where Cincinnati dominated that game was third down and fourth down. And, and they did it by dominating the middle, right? Remember, that was a game that Cortez Broughton and Marquise Copeland just wrecked the line of scrimmage. Right. And notice, if you go back and watch, when Cincinnati was effective, what happened? Curtis Brooks wrecked the point of attack. But that didn't happen enough. Navy did a really good job blocking the two interior defensive linemen it was almost a double team on every snap on both guys or at least one and a half guys uh they're you know taking care of each of the defensive ends because as you saw like my sanders and malik van were were almost just left free most of the time yeah you know my made what three tackles where he, he chased the quarterback down, down from behind yep. Yep. on on the keeper mm -hmm. um they Navy's game plan was almost look we we don't care about your defensive ends really all that much. Um, we're going to do everything possible to win at the ball in the trenches. You saw that with fullback runs; they were super effective running the fullback. And then you saw that, you know, as as then they worked to get outside. Now, as the game went on, I thought Cincinnati made great adjustments in terms of stopping the pitch man and stopping the quarterback, that was very little uh, of what Navy was able to do. But then Navy started running those little uh, circle routes and shallow crossing routes underneath, yep. you know, and, and you let the Navy quarterback go 11 of 15. Mm -hmm. you, you can't do average. that. Yeah, you can't do that. Like, you got to stop that immediately to just say, you're not throwing. Like, right. whatever it is you do, we're not letting you throw on us for 15 yards on third and four. Um, and then I, I thought Navy did a really good job scheme-wise defensively um, in terms of, you know, they they played that they played three safeties. They played a three-deep safety. Um, they said, we're not going to let you throw over the top, and we're going to run blitz the shit out of you on early downs uh, to, to try to take away Jerome Ford as much as possible. And – whether it was Dez not being as accurate as he should have been or receivers not catching the ball when they should have caught the ball, Cincinnati wasn't able to make them pay for, for what they gave them. And that's really been the strength of the Cincinnati offense so far, right? We've talked about this a million times. They've taken what the defense has given them and made the defense pay. And then you have to start making the defense adjust to take, you know, to say, okay, you know, they're killing us with that. Now we've got to slow this down. Mm -hmm. Never really happened. And, and Navy was able to just stay in what they wanted defensively. And, you know, their defensive game plan is the same as their offensive game plan, really. Yeah. We're going to make you go 9, 10, 11, 12 plays 
And if we eat seven minutes off the clock on our drive and you eat six minutes off, seven minutes off the clock on your drive, that's a quarter of football Yeah, that's in the books. Right. You know, what was it? The second quarter where they got the ball with the, you know, I, I said to my cousin who was with me at the grail, you know, this feels like it's a lot worse, mm-hmm. but we still have a considerable amount of time left in this first half to see Cincinnati get rolling. Right. Like say, so, you know, Navy goes what nine, nine minutes, eight, nine minutes. And there's four minutes left in the half. Yeah. And you know, that they just, they suckered Cincinnati into their game and Cincinnati couldn't get them out of it. And the, the reason that 2018 was so successful, not only did they get off the field on third down, they torched the Navy defense to the point that they had a sizable lead where Navy knew they couldn't run the ball and Cincinnati never punished Navy enough to where Navy thought we've got to get away from what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And they just stayed in their game plan and it almost came back to bite Cincinnati in the ass. And, you know, I, one thing when people bring up 2018 and, and, you know, the 42 to nothing victory and everything like that, you know, you've got to also think about the psyche of, of players going into that game. Cause we're still talking about, you know, young men between the ages of, of 18 and 23, sometimes 24, sometimes if you're, you know, Morgan James or, or other players like that, up, upwards of 30. 36. Right, <laughs> right. But that Cincinnati team is going to come in a little bit more amped up, a little bit more focused at home after what happened in 2017. And then on the flip side, Navy's going to, you know, this is just another game for Navy back in 2018, where this year it's literally nothing to lose going into a game with the biggest target on the Bearcats back. I mean, you think about it, the Bearcats – Hadn't trailed in a game this year until back during the IU game at Bloomington. Now, this in the first quarter, they're trailing on the road. Another situation that, yes, I know that road environments, this, that, and the other, you talk about it. But still, that's that's a bit of an effect because you let them kind of establish the way that they want to play throughout the first quarter. But also the mentality then flips from, okay, now we got to lock in. We got to figure out a way to beat this Navy team that, has nothing to lose and is actually pulling out these trick plays. They had a big reverse play in the first quarter that went around end for about 30 yard pickup to set them up for their first touchdown. Like you said, a lot of misdirection and and pass backs that, you know, they, I believe they completed as many passes in this game as they have in the entire season combined up to this point. So they were throwing new wrinkles at Cincinnati because they had nothing to lose. I mean, they, they went for an onside kick. They got an onside kick late in the game. Yeah, exactly. It's, it just seemed as if, the mentality for Navy was exactly the mentality you need to stay in a game. Yet you see Cincinnati up 27 to 10 in the third quarter. You see the the glimpses of Cincinnati completely shutting the door and dominating the game and potentially covering the game, that 28 point spread. If they would have just scored two more touchdowns in the fourth and the defense would have held them. So I don't know. It's kind of the whole, this is what the Bearcats are going to get from here on out are teams that just going all out with, with nothing to lose. And when you have that mentality coming out of your team throughout the game, some, some crazy things can happen. I think on, on Saturday, we saw what that looks like as crazy things were happening. I mean, how many other teams have something as unique as Navy though? I mean, no. Yeah. Which is why when you mentioned that about the coaches poll, the second that I saw them move up in the coaches poll, I just thought back about how much everyone talks about how they hate preparing for the 
you know, for the triple option attack. So I think coaches understand the uniqueness that a game against Navy, Army, Air Force brings. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, – Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, it's, it was wild to see this defense that we've grown so accustomed to, you know, picking apart offenses. They're clearly not built for a triple option. Nobody's really built for a triple option in that sense. And, you know, they're, they're made to – they've put this defense together to pick on a quarterback and take care of, you know, a, a standard running game and certainly not the triple option. So I was – you know, happy to see them have a, a hurdle like this and still, you know, get the win. At the end of the day, that's still the biggest thing that matters about this game is, is they came out victorious. I, mean, I don't know that I fully agree, though, there, Aaron, because what about this team is not built to stop the triple option? I, th- I guess when you look at the defense and, and the fact that they run that 3-3-5, I mean, they're built They more didn't to- run a second of 3-3-5, though. Oh, I understand that in this game, but traditionally they run that three, three, five. So they're stepping out of their comfort zone to run a different defense in this sense. It's got to get stops. I agree. And you can't have the penalties that bit them in the ass repeatedly. Yeah. I mean, I think these numbers are wrong anyway, but like you allowed 10 conversions based on what the, the box score at go Bearcats says. You had 10 third and fourth down conversions. Like you had them in position to get off the field, right? Right. Repeatedly. And, and, and you just didn't do it. Like that, that, that's that's on the players. Like that's you gotta find a way to get to the ball and get a stop. And I, I think this defense is built for that. They just didn't execute it. You know, I, I don't think it was a matter of the plays called or a matter of they're comfortable playing a four three, you know, a four man front. They they have the guys, they have the talent, and you got Marcus Brown, Curtis Brooks, Jabari Taylor, Jawan Briggs, Eric Phillips. We saw in there, like you got the dudes to be able to play a four man front. Got to execute your assignment. You got to execute, especially on third and fourth down, and get off the field. And they were bad at it, bad bad at it. Yeah, they were, and. Another wrinkle was the was the passing game for Navy. I, I'm sure that's something that the the players and the staff wasn't really honed in on that was going to be thrown at them. I, I mean, 11 to 15, you guys have already touched on it. That's just something that is unheard of. I mean, you hold you hold Navy under 200 yards rushing. Yeah, you don't want to get near that that number either. But still, you give up 116 passing yards. It's those were the big plays as well. Kind of just those. I mean, you guys remember seeing him where all of a sudden it's a wide open receiver for Navy and he's got 20 yards in, in front of him to run and pick up even more extra yardage. And that's, that's just when you, you kind of break the back where it does seem like it's a second and 10 or a, or a third and six. And then all of a sudden they break that out. So I don't know. It, I think it's, it, it's a lot to do with Navy just going all out to pull out this win. And I think that they like, like a lot of people have said, you got to give them credit because they came out and they did everything that they needed to to make this a game. And in the end, it was it was Cincinnati coming through. So I and you have to know. finish. Like let, let's get to the the re, the heart of the matter here. Up I want 27, to. 10, I want to. Up yep. twenty seven ten. Yep. You gotta you gotta win that game forty one to thirteen. Like that right. that period period. Right. Now the first three and out to start the fourth quarter, they were backed up at I think the six yard. What what they were at the. 
They're at the it was, nine. It was or 10 first and, and thirteen at the four. At the yeah, at the four. Because well, Lenny well, had a well, yeah, procedure. Yeah, off with the Lenny. Yeah, yeah. It was it was first and ten at the at the seven, and then the it went back to first and thirteen at the four. So that one I'm not terribly like hard on, but yeah. you start first and ten at the fifty, and you get eight yards on first down. It's embarrassing. You you can't punt. You can't punt there. Like you got to be creative. This that has to be a all hands on deck. We got to go get a touchdown and finish them. Yeah. Period. Like that's what that has to be. And they weren't able to do it. And that oh. gave Navy hope. Like that gave Navy the opportunity to say, we're not dead yet. No, no pun, no pun intended there. Right. Right. With the all hands on deck. Right. Ah, ah, ah. I see what you did there. Man. But yeah, especially coming off a, a drive that wasn't very Navy esque, but one that picked up a 26 yard, on second and 10 off of a pass completion and then just slowly was, was able to methodically pick up another first down and then they kicked the field goal. So that when that's when you say, okay, the defense did their job. Now it's time for us to come out, come out and put the game away because I, you know, we mentioned how complimentary the team has been, how they play all three phases of the game. I mean, you, you even saw it on the big kickoff return after Cincinnati scored uh, their first touchdown in the first half. And, that kickoff return all of a sudden put Navy all the way back and at like the 50 yard line with a chance to drive. And then all of a sudden get in field goal range and kick the field goal. So I don't know. It, it seemed as if every single time that that one compliment would be re- would be ready for the other one to finish off the game. It just didn't happen. And let's, let's talk about that drive that you just mentioned, Chad at uh, first and 10, you have a great play. I, I like that first down play, getting the ball to Tyler Scott, he picks up eight yards and it kind of just seemed like, okay, yeah, they're 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 in a groove. Second down play, Jerome Ford. I'm okay. Don't mind that. that on second and yeah. short, but you yeah. lost a yard. Right. So what do you do? You do the exact same thing. Didn't like the third down call at all. Or yeah. maybe you take a shot. Maybe the, the answer is you take a shot on second and short on second. their own 42, knowing that you can run forward on third down if you need to. But I just didn't like the sequence of, you know, it, it almost felt more like we're just trying to run as much time off this clock because we don't think that they have enough firepower to catch us when you only had a two score lead. All that all that needs to happen then is one score and a successful onside kick and anything can happen. I think that's where, you know, up 14, you have to find a way to go get up at least 17, if not get up 21. And, and, and up 21 with six, seven, eight minutes to go, whatever it was in the fourth quarter, when you give the ball back to them, they're dead. Right. They're dead. They got to throw. You saw what happened the minute that they tried to throw against this defense. Like that drive more than anything was where you have to finish. Right. And they didn't finish and they didn't even leave the door open a crack. They just pushed it open and said, hey, you guys want in? Come on. Right. So well, I guess I have, I have a question for you there on, on that point, though, is Twitter's been on fire with, you know, Mike Denbrock is the worst part of this offense. This is all Mike Denbrock's fault. And wow. so there's a bunch you, of fucking idiots on Twitter. Well, I we all understand me that. In, me included. <laughs> no comment here. But you uh, you bring that up. You, you bring up the word play calling and that you didn't agree with the play calling. But as I didn't agree bottom, with one well, set of two plays, that's the point that I wanted to get to is 
you know, are you ready to say that there's a problem with the play calling as a whole? Because I feel that that's just complete knee jerk reaction on a bad game. And for people who are ready to throw Mike Denbrock under the bus saying that this is all his fault, Des missed a lot of throws in this game. He's not. And there were drops when he made good throws. He's not been accurate largely on the season. I mean, he's had some accuracy issues. I guess we'll say that, but he's been accurate. He's had stretches where he, the ball sails on him. Yeah. I think, I think would be the, 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 the most correct way to, yeah, yeah, to correct way to address that. Like more often than not, he's been accurate. Now we haven't seen him jump up near that you know, 70% range that we talked about him, but he's, he's been consistently uh, in that, you know, 60, 65% range. He has had stretches though, where he seems out of rhythm and and then he has corrected it, but he never really seemed to fully correct it against Navy where he found a rhythm and it, and it maintained. So getting away from the point that I was trying to make though, is just, you know, what's going on to where, how do you feel about Mike Denbrock and his, Offensive schemes as a whole after this game. They had the number two scoring offense in program history last year. And they were real close to scoring more points a game than 2009. Real close. And for the first time in school history, they have back-to-back 50-point games this year. They're number 10, even after only scoring 27 against Navy. They're number 10 in the country in scoring offense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I get, look, I, this is what happens. People decided in 2017 they didn't like Mike Denbrock. Correct. So they're never going to let that go. Was the play calling in 2018 vanilla? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they knew Des wasn't ready to win him games yet. You know who was? was? Mike Michael Warren. Warren. No, 2019 was when he was hurt. 2018 was his freshman oh, yeah. year. The freshman year, yeah. Mike Warren was ready to win them games. So they put the ball in Mike Warren's belly 30, 35 times a game and said, go win us games, Mike. And guess what he did? He won, won them games. games. So, like, people just decided early that they weren't going to like Mike Denbrock. And anytime something goes wrong, it's Mike Denbrock's fault. When, in reality, outside of the 2009 team, we're watching the best two-year stretch of offense in program history. <laughs> Right. That's not hyperbole. That's not I, me like making it up. That is fact. Statistically. Statistically, accurate. these are the best two years of offense in program history. Right. Are there always like people, you know what people want Cincinnati to run four wide air raid, you know, mm-hmm. throw it all over the place. That's not going to happen. If Luke Fickle wanted air raid, he would have an air raid offensive coordinator. I agree. I just wanted to bring up that point. So maybe you could help talk some people off the ledge as again, it was it's not going to happen. Mine's already, mine's have already been made up on that front. Well, that's why I think about for two years. Every time I see Mike Denbrock after a game, I boo him for the people. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he accepts it graciously, but it uh, does. the uh, getting the ball to your athletes in space, I think Trey Tucker only one catch on the game. Didn't really see many yards, of those. Yeah. It did, didn't see many there of those. There weren't enough extended drives. Those. Yeah, I, right, right. So it comes back to the fact that that's what Navy does. If, if Navy's offense is clicking and they're picking up first downs, 
It puts the pressure on the offense. And, and when they did have a chance, they didn't extend drives enough. Right, right. No, I, I completely agree. I, I think it was more of a, okay, all of a sudden, I, I, I mean, you look back at one of their scoring drives was, was aided by a monster fourth down completion. I, you know, it's, it's the, the offense, it's hard to get into a flow if you're on the sideline for nine minutes straight, for, for eight minutes straight, for six minutes straight even. And then all of a sudden you get thrown out there. And if you don't pick up that first down or, or you struggle to pick up that first down, then you're, you're going to be a little bit, you know, twisted and maybe force some things. And I think that you saw that at times in this game. And then you also saw Navy get a little bit of momentum and a little bit of, uh, you know, excitement on their end. And I don't know if that led to a little bit more timidness out of the offense, as far as, you know, some of the, the, the line of scrimmage being contained and things of that sort, but I don't know. I think at times you just saw a little bit of, of a flustered feel with the offense. I mean, I, it might just yeah, be how it well, was. That, that's definitely an issue with Navy because you know you've got limited opportunities. Yeah. So I do right. think you feel like you need to press, like you need to, you need to be perfect. And when you're trying to be perfect, that's when mistakes happen far more than when you're just, just playing. And it, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely a factor, especially – when Navy gets that offense rolling and you're standing over there on the sidelines watching a 14 play 46 yard drive that, that takes, you know, eight, nine right. minutes off the clock. Right. Which, but, right? which by like, the way, can I just say, I, I hate playing against triple option teams. I like it. It is horrible to watch. Like some people love that. They, they think it's awesome. You know, the, the beauty of a perfectly ran triple option team. That's because they're 60. But gosh, I, I cannot stand it. I like despise when, you know, they do a fullback dive and the fullback gets tackled from behind and picks up two extra yardage, which to them is like, you know, 30 yards of excitement after that run. I, I don't know. I just, I despise it. And I'm, I'm like, a lot of people are excited to move on to, to the big 12. And this is, this is one reason for me I, <laughs> to, to get away from the potential of playing Navy in that, Doggone triple option. I, I, I'm done with it. I, Na- I don't Navy's, like it at all. This this drive is the epitome of Navy, and it ended on a turnover on downs um, that put UC in pretty good field position. But at the start of the second half, they had an 11-play, 29-yard drive that took six minutes off the clock. Was, was that the fourth, the two fourth downs? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 11 plays, 29 <sighs> yards six minutes off the clock and then UC goes three and out, you know, it, 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 you get in your head, you get in your own head in those situations. And it's, uh, it's not good for anybody. Surprisingly, the drive I was talking about was actually in the first quarter, um, where it felt like things were moving really fast. Like Cincinnati had two quick possessions. Navy had a quick possession. It was like, all right, you know, there's still 11 Offense minutes on the clock score. in this quarter. Yeah, right. And and Navy had it for 13 plays, 79 yards, and score. That was their first touchdown. Seven minutes and 12 seconds. Yep. Just so great. then you, you you let them you let them. It's death by a thousand cuts. That's what happens when you don't get off the field. Right. Just to correct you, because of course they will on the boards. Um, you see, actually scored after that 11 play, 29 yard, six minute. Uh, yeah, I was looking. Sorry, I was looking yeah. at Navy's. Yeah, they uh, scored a uh, possession four, chart. Four plays, fifty-four yards, a minute and a half. 
That was the Jerome okay. Ford, right? That's Efficient. the Ford touchdown. Yeah, right. the Ford touchdown. So, so speaking of fourth downs, do you think on that one drive that started, you know, around the 50-yard line there in the fourth quarter, that if the, you know, unnecessary roughness penalty was not called against Dylan O'Quinn, who, gosh, I can't imagine playing it in that game against a triple option team like that, you have to be so frustrated by that fourth quarter when it rolls around. But do you think that they would have gone for it? It would have been a fourth and five. It would have been a situation where, you know. Probably. Was it was it two plays to pick up that first down? You know what I mean? Was it kind of like, let's run for it again? If we don't get it, we're going for it here on fourth down? Yeah, you were in the field position that, you know, you're at the, what, the 42-yard line? Up two scores, yeah. Yeah, up two scores. Yeah chance to put your foot on the gas and then O'Quinn gets that you know stupid come in and, and pushes the guy late uh yeah. and and now it's instead of you know third and or what fourth and fourth and five, five fourth and yeah. six that was going to be it's it's fourth and 20 and you got a punt right so you know maybe we're looking at it in a different light if all of a sudden they go for it on that fourth down pick up a fourth down they score but I feel like you could say that a lot about a lot of different things um but I Let's let's look at some bright sides. We saw Josh Wiley get into the end zone twice for the first time in his career. The other time should have been at UCF. I mentioned it a couple of times, but for some reason the lights flickered off at one time that he had probably one of the best plays that we've seen in the past couple of years. But Wiley back in in the groove of things, even though speaking of groove, he was trying to dance and the the referee was not feeling the dance at all. Which um, can we talk know. about that for a second? I don't second. understand that. Yeah, yeah. What was he doing wrong? Nothing. Like it wasn't excessive. It had only lasted at that point three seconds. Yeah. Like, what did he do that offended the referee? Like, what are you telling him to cut it out? For? He's dancing. Maybe he said respect, right? respect where you are. I, I think I, it, apparently what he said was don't get carried away. And Josh, like when he heard him talk, he stopped. Yeah. So I think it was probably blown a little bit out of proportion, but I mean, come on, let the kids have like he danced for two seconds. Yeah, and he was doing a good dance too. He was really getting into it. I I don't know. I didn't like it, but uh, it's good to see him back in the end zone. Good to see him have a little bit more comfortability. He was he was at the post game presser. So I I mean, looking forward, if you are able to get Josh Wiley back into the groove of things again like that ensure that it was in a limited capacity because the offense just was not on the field very often, but that is just another facet to this team that is going to be huge as we go down the rest of the season. Yeah. I think this game is going to do nothing but boost his confidence. I mean, I know that people were trying to report that there were, he was unhappy with the way that he'd been used or certain things here and there. I hadn't seen anything like that outside of the comments on Bearcat journal. So until I hear from somebody who's, actually in the locker room on a regular basis making those kind of reports and remarks then i'll believe it but until then i've seen josh out there having the time of his life in practice during the games and i don't see anything that showed me that he was unhappy or unsettled with anything that was happening as a kid that's unhappy stick after practice every day working with des to like find a rhythm between the two of them no Josh knew what the deal was like. Yeah. Was he frustrated? Of course he was frustrated. He's a competitor. Like he, he wants the ball, but when opponents are bracketing you and doing everything to take you out of the game plan, you know, 
sometimes that shit happens and he wasn't taking advantage of the opportunities he was getting. I mean, Whether you that make- was a focused ish, focus issue or just, you know, luck of the draw. Um, he had some drops that, that, that probably should have gone for big plays. You can make the comparison that Josh Wiley is my J on defense. Like they're the same. They're the superstar caliber player. That's just simply getting schemed against all year this year and just not being able to get the stats that we're accustomed to seeing, or we're expecting this season. I, you know, and, and along with your guys' points is there's a player who's, who's really frustrated, gotten blocked the way that he has in the last couple of games. Does he put the effort in to get, to get a hand on the punt against UCF, you know, it, like all these small things that if someone's frustrated, they might not go 110% on this on, special teams, on special teams, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it was good to see him finally, you know, break through. It seemed like it was going to be just a matter of time ordeal with him. Um, Next, I, I want to talk about Curtis Brooks. I, I think that this is a guy, you know, in the uh, early season preview, I did some something along the lines of, like, in the trenches, if this happens, everything will exceed expectations. And I said, if Curtis Brooks is the first-team all-conference player. And I think at this point, he is really priming himself to be one of the better defensive linemen in the conference. And he is really just – Everyone's going to talk about the blocked field goal and then the the scoop by Deshaun Pace, which which by the way, if you go back and watch it, there's no angle at all that you could see if he was out of bounds or not. I mean, I think that he probably was. I, I don't know. It's you can't really see ever because they didn't even review it or anything. But everyone's talk about that. But the two plays before were all Curtis Brooks with a monster tackle for loss when he timed the snap. It looked like and and tackled the quarterback before he could do anything, and then. The next one was the sack that he had. So I think Curtis Brooks is, is lining himself up to get some big-time praise by the end of the year. And if you see every week, Luke Fickle gives out his players of, of the week, players of the game. And I think Curtis Brooks has taken home the most players of the week, players of the game. So I'm I'm astonished with how good he's been playing, and, and I think it's going to really uh, pay off in the long run. He's been like outstanding. I feel like there's about two or three times a game where you just see him explode through the line. And it's like, he's been saving his energy for that one moment, you know, once a quarter, maybe where he's just like, I'm going through everyone. And those are the plays that are the most fun to, to highlight and watch Curtis Brooks. Well, it's what have we talked about all season? It's everything has an equal, like an opposite reaction. So they're doubling Maja and Malik starts to really blow up. Mm-hmm. So now they're having to pay a little bit more attention to Malik and what's mm-hmm. happening there. As a result, Curtis is really starting to, to blow up and take his play to another level. And then hopefully what happens as a result is there's a, a correction and then Maja's hopefully going to get a little, I, but the problem is on tape, Maja is just so disruptive that like, even though there's not counting stats, there's not a coach in his right mind that's watching my wreck double teams and thinking we probably should just single team him. Like <laughs> the answer here is probably just to put one guy on him. The whole you game. mean like, don't like put just a tight end on him. Like, like UCLA did with uh Kayvon Thibodeau and yeah, a big time drive. And yeah, not course, smart. Of course the outcome <laughs> is what you expected. What the hell happened in that game? I had nah. to take my daughter and, and like, I, I got home from the grail 
and she's starting to to play organized volleyball now. Oh, so so we had to run and, and we had to run and get some gear, you know. And then uh, we stopped to get something to eat, and I that game was like seventeen nothing UCLA. So <clears throat> I thought even when or- like Oregon might be back in it by the time I drove to the sporting goods store and then drove from the sporting goods store to the restaurant. Right. It was like 31 to 17. Like what the hell happened in this game? It's, it was a weird game. It was, it, Aaron, did you cover this in your road to the playoffs game at all? Or, I mean, I, I looked at it a little bit. I was keeping an eye on scores throughout the day on Saturday anyway, but I don't know what the hell happened in that game. I mean, same, same with same with the Illinois Penn State game. I have no idea what the well, hell happened. I know. I'll tell you exactly what happened in the Illinois Penn State game. Nine Terrible teams face each other. Nothing, nothing happened in that game. There were nine overtimes, and they didn't hit the over. Unbelievable. They couldn't convert a two point conversion for the first like five overtimes. It was unbelievable. I just well, do remember. You to, do you have to start on the third overtime with two point conversions now? Is yes. that the new rule? Yes, and three, it's supposed- four, five, six, seven, and eight, or and eight, they both got it right. Well, I well, I think it's I. You'd have to go back and look. I think they've got it. They got it twice, two different times. But like the the very first one that they had to do two point conversions. And we're going off on a tangent. We're going to come back and wrap up the whole you know Navy Cincinnati game. But there was a they ran the the Philly special, is what yeah. Penn State ran on the first two point <laughs> conversion time. And wide open was the quarterback, Clifford. Wide open. And he just fell down backwards as, as the ball was coming to, towards him. And then Illinois got it back. And Illinois' freshman running back, I forget his name, but he was having a great game. I don't know. It's tough to have a great game when it's like 13 all. But And all of a sudden, he's he's wide open for, for a pass completion, and he drops a wide open two-point conversion that would have ended it. And that's when I sat down and I said, all right, this is going to take a while. Let's uh, – Let's soak it in. I just remember one of the announcers saying that they thought that they had walked a full mile going back and forth from yeah. end zone to end zone. <laughs> Definitely. Why, yeah, because, do they, why do they have to do that? Well, because Illinois, when when they got to decide where, you know, which side of the field they wanted to be on, they wanted to be away from the student section. Yeah. Well, I mean, it didn't, it didn't matter. It didn't affect them either way. It's one play from three yards out. Oh, but uh, anyway, we'll, t- that, we'll touch on that more in the mailbag. Yeah, gosh, that would be a. But thinking back on it, how how scary of a game would that be if your team is one of those teams? Oh, I would just absolutely hate it. Hate no it. thanks. No, thank you. But since I was able to come out w- with a win in this one, um, I, you know, I feel like there's really not too much more to break down about this other than you know, it's special it teams. Well, yeah, special. Sure. Let, yeah, let's do special teams first. Let's talk about the good. The the block field goal by Deshaun Pace. First off, what like, was the bad? I I didn't like the kickoff return that they gave up. That was a a big bugaboo for me. What? It, I, that was a bad. I don't know. I'm okay. less concerned about that. I'm more just super happy that I don't care who's out there kicking. We right. made two field goals in two attempts. Yeah. With let's let's talk about that. Correct Christian Lowry, two different kickers. Yeah. I mean, this has to be one of the first years that three different kickers have come out and made a field goal. I, I don't know. You'd have to go back in the record books, but yeah. So I Cole Smith injured 
from what we're being told by um, Luke Fickle. So uh, here comes freshman he didn't Christian dress. Lowry. Yeah, here comes freshman Christian Lowry, who made the first extra point. I I didn't really notice it was him when he when he made the extra point, Where and then either? when he and then when he came out for the field goal, I was like, wait a minute, that's that's Christian Lowry, and uh, I mean it it didn't look beautiful coming off his boot but it was effective and it went through the uprights lowry's got some sam crosa in him right right and that he doesn't have a booming leg yeah but he's really accurate from like 40 or so yards in which if you remember Uh, during the sam crosa year that was when especially against tulsa cole smith would come out for the you know 45 yard plus yeah so i i don't know it he made he made them they went through the uprights but that Alex Bales, 52-yard field goal attempt. I, I want to know what your guys' initial reactions were when you saw that came off his, his foot. I was happy it was Bales that was out there. And, you know, after having seen what Christian Lowry did at, with a 32-yard field goal, I was much happier that it was Bales that was out there. And the announcers made reference to the fact that it's the same guy who does their kickoffs. That's why he's out there. Yeah, I mean, he's got, well, he's got a big leg. leg. Right, yeah, he's, he's got, got a, big a little leg. bit more of a leg. Um, I mean, I was, it, it, I'll take you back to camp. The first time we saw him kick, the ball came off his leg, and Justin and I were like, "Who the hell was that?" <laughs> and it was it was Bales. That but, thing yeah. was a that was a knuckleball. <laughs> I was I was nervous as shit when they sent him out there. If I'm being completely honest, and I was more than more than pleased that it it made it through. Well, the weird part was it it had some rotation and then it knuckled. Yeah. Like I've never seen a ball do both in the same kick without like a weird win. Like it just stopped rotating and started like knuckle. I was like, what the and that thing couldn't have been more than like 15 feet off the ground the entire way. Oh, it went right. I mean, it hit the net, so it was probably good from like it was long. Right. It was long. It was just like like a steel. Like like you, you know, an iron, you're an approach shot. You're like, oh, I kind of scolded that, but all of a sudden you end up like 15 feet away from from the cup, and you're like, all right, not too bad, not too bad. So I've been hot with my uh, my. I'll, I'll lean to my cousin occasionally at road games and and call what's going to happen. Right. I've called like three interceptions this year. Mm-hmm. You know, more. Those are more in the the vein of like. Now would be a good time for a pick. And then the next play, it's a pick. Uh, so they come out of the timeout for Navy's long field goal. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my cousin and I said, block, scoop, score. Oof. And he's like, he said, if you call this one, I'm fucking leaving. Like, because I've gotten it right. I've gotten both of the pace picks. Yeah. Right. Indiana and Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. So he's like, if you call, you're, I'll, I'm leaving if you call this. Right. And I was, I was that cl- I mean, I guess it still counts as a block, a scoop, and a score because they scored. It just happened to be on now, a 52 now yard field goal. Semantics or, yeah, yeah. I think, it, I think it might work. It I mean, I think work. it counts. It was a block, a scoop, and there was a score that resulted from it. Yeah. I, so I'm going to count it. How wild is it that, if you think back earlier in the drive, like Ken Niamalelota, uh, he took a timeout at a certain time that allowed them to get two more plays off to try and get the kicker closer, or I'm not sure exactly what they were gonna, trying to do there. And that's when Curtis Brooks had 
the back-to-back big plays. Yeah. I mean, that would have so, been, what, a, a 40 oh, yarder, 42-yarder? 40, I, I think Brooks combined, yeah, a, a 10 total yards loss in the two plays. So it would have been a 40-yarder, which which their kicker's good. He's, he's a really yeah. good field goal kicker. So he, he would have easily made that, I, I think. But all of a sudden, you're, you're back a 50-yarder. You got to get a little bit lower on it to get some more distance. And I, Deshaun Pace, man. He's going to score one of these times. He's, he's reminding me of Trey Tucker his <laughs> freshman year. It's just like, man, you're so close to just busting one. But he gets pushed out by the, uh, by the holder. Um, I don't know. <laughs> man, that was, that was an interesting play. I thought he was going to break it, but he, he kept trying to go around him. Maybe just barrel was, over him, a stiff arm. No, the smart play there is to do what he did, which was try right. to outrun the angle. Yeah, because the guy had an angle on him, and yeah. but but Pace was faster, so Pace was trying to outrun the angle. He, he had just a was too. Yeah, but the blocker wasn't the blocker really, was kind of there. Yeah, the, it wasn't like the blocker was just going to plow the guy and and right. you know if Pace would have right. slowed up to set up the block, the guy would have tackled him. And and also though you got to remember you got all offensive linemen on the field in that in that field yeah. coverage, so you got to outrun one guy. One guy. But hey, good for him. He he bust through the line, got a hand on it, and was able to block it. So, and and good for you on the call out. We'll, we'll give it to you with the scoop and the score. Um, I thought they were going to bring Des out for just one hail mary because it's kind of just like didn't really expect any points. And then all of a sudden, here comes Bales and he nails it through the uprights. That was impressive. Very now, impressive. Were, you, were you guys surprised at all by the discipline or lack thereof by Navy? At what point? I mean, with like the one play where the guy threw the ball, I feel like they were getting a little chirpy down then in the trenches. And, you know, Navy kind of holds itself as like, respect us. We're the Navy. And it's so much so that I think I, mean, I saw something. I think, think I saw. Guy, a com- have you I saw- ever met anybody in the military? You think guys <laughs> in the military aren't a little chippy? My dad was in the Marines. I get it. Um, they are chippy. <laughs> I just, I thought it was funny. Then they shoot like, people. I saw a comment somewhere where somebody was all up in, their feelings about like Cincinnati not staying on the field during the alma mater or something like that. Like it's not their alma mater. Why would they stay on the field? And they're like calling them classes and whatever, but I don't know. I just thought it was funny to see somebody who's like the captain of the team throwing a ball at the sidelines. I mean, it wasn't like a a hard throw or anything like that, but it was just, huh? Right. It was just a little bit of a, huh? Yeah. You know, I, I also dislike these games because, I think on every single play, you could call an illegal chop block or a hold Holding. on every single play. Um, but but you don't see any. You saw three penalties called against Navy, and you saw 11 against Cincinnati. And, I mean, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't understand officiating as much as, you know, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let them handle their deal. But it seemed a little lopsided because I would watch the game. I'd be like, that's a hold. That right there also is a hold. Look at that. That looks like an illegal chop block. But you know what? Maybe the coaches come out before the game. They say, listen, we are going to be running this triple option. And there are certain things during this, and you cannot call those. And maybe that's how it happens. So anyway, I digress. Just reckless, reckless. It's horrible. to say. It's horrible. But anyway, it's uh, it was a win in the end, 27-20. The onside kick, I mean, you guys, I guess you could 
jumble that in with the special teams, but um, I don't know. It, it was just one of those. They, they flipped the field real fast. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, that front line of the, of the hands team is told to, to find a man and block him. And then that back somebody's got to play the ball the recovery. Yeah. Someone's got to come up and play the ball. I agree. Um, and so on that side, it turned out not really biting them in the butt, but still the quick flip of the field is, is now going to be something that they will definitely, you know, teach and, and talk about in the, in the film room and then out in the field. So, um, and plus you're not really in that situation a lot. And it was like Beavers didn't know he could touch the ball within 10 yards. They can't, but you can. Right. Right. I agree. So I don't, know. I don't, I don't know that you want Beavers finding a body. I don't know that you want Beavers on. I think Kobe yeah. was over there. Kobe could yeah. have been the one to come through and, and grab it, but somebody, Anybody. I'm not going to, you I, don't want to, you don't want a six, four, 260 pound linebacker as your first line of defense on fielding an onside kick. I mean, one thing that I, one he, thing that I know, he plays hoops. <laughs> right. What does that have to do with catching an hands, onside you kick? Gotta, you got to catch the ball in basketball. <laughs> He's got hands. Yeah. One thing I know, though, is he does. That I can confirm he does have hands. He does, yes. Two of them. And they, I think two has, of them. They are, they are actually attached to his wrists. I think he has 10 fingers as well. He's not like that Kentucky player that has 11, but he, he does have 10 fingers, I do believe. But uh, aside from that, I think the special teams is, is superiorly coached. Very elite special teams coordinator. So I think that – You have to say that. So I think that's going to be – Something that is not a worry. It's just everyone executing to to, to make sure that the uh, teaching ability is shown throughout the uh, throughout the game. So, um, yeah, that's that's hey, my point got, of view on that. You got some on your nose. Yeah, I I know I know, man. This this Dagon Brown <laughs> marker keeps creeping up and getting me on the nose. But uh, aside from that, you know, it, it's a it's a win. And of course, all the media talking heads right afterwards were like, "This is going to be the game that the college football playoff committee will." Circle and say Cincinnati went on the road and only won by seven at Navy. Well, I want to take you back real quick. 2020, just last season, Notre Dame was the four seed in the playoff. They beat a team named Louisville that ended up four and seven on the year. They beat them 12 to seven at home. Oklahoma the year before beat a decent Texas team by one touchdown, but lost to Kansas State. Kansas State was eight and five on the year. That's a loss. The year before. Oklahoma beat Army by a touchdown, beat Texas Tech by five, beat Oklahoma State by one, one at West Virginia by three. I, it, it's just, you know, you, you've got to just boil it down and say, people understand that Navy is a triple option team. It's not going to be anything that Cincinnati will see for the rest of the year. I don't, I don't even know if you really look at, at what Cincinnati's offense or defense did in this game and put it up there on any pedestal because – it's a different type of game and no other team from here on out, especially if you reach the playoffs is going to run that kind of stall ball, run it down to, you know, play clock all the way to one, every single play and then, and then hike it. I, I just don't see that happening anymore. And I think that's why you saw the boost in the coaches pull up to two. And that's why you saw them stay at number two in the AP. And it also didn't hurt that Oklahoma had to pull some miracle plays out of their. Well, that's that Easter. If Oklahoma beats the shit out of Kansas, I, I'm guessing Oklahoma's number two this week. Because the, the, the voting's really close. Like, Yeah. But it took some but, unbelievable plays. for uh, so, so you see Cincinnati build a 17-point lead on the road at Navy. And then you look over to the Kansas game. They're still losing. 
Oklahoma yeah. still losing at Kansas. So, it, you know, it was kind of both of those being played at the same time. Kind of, I don't know, aids or, or, or somewhat helps. But I don't know. I In the end, still ranked number two. Doesn't mean much because the college football playoffs are all that matters. College football playoff poll is all that matters. So um, I think it's just a win and you move on. And I think what happens this weekend will will tell a lot more in that first college football playoff poll ranking than this game the week before against Navy. That's November 2nd that that comes out, I believe. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I believe after, you're correct. After this week. So I've got two hands. I, I looked it up with my two hands. Whoa, was that 11 fingers I saw? No, just 10. Oh, oh, you were just twirling them real fast. I couldn't really tell. Oh, that was a little freaky at some point. But anything else on football, guys, before we, we move on, a little, little basketball talk? and Or, or Aaron, any, anything from your road to the playoff that you kind of saw? I, other than uh, IU is just like, man, they are not good. Uh, Notre Dame keeps on winning. That's really good. Uh, aside from that. What did you what did you take in from around the country? Well, I know that there's some people who somehow, some way, for reasons I will never understand, are both fans of the Cincinnati Bearcats and Ohio State. And I still don't understand what the hell Ohio State's doing in the top five, ranked above Michigan, who hasn't played anybody, but neither has Ohio State. Like right. Well, they had Ohio played someone. State. They just lost. They, yeah. Well, so they did play Oregon, and they correct. They did lose at home, mind you. Um, it's, it's a good and then loss. I see, it's quality loss. And it, is. <laughs> it is. And then Those I see Ohio. Then I and see Oregon's State. loss was a bad loss, so that's why they're behind them. And then I see Ohio State fans banging this drum that, well, look, here's our common opponent. We beat Indiana at Indiana, and we beat them really bad, fifty-two to seven. And that's great. Michael Penix didn't play in that game. So they were starting with their second quarterback. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that quarterback. Tuttle got hurt. Got concussed in the first drive. So then they were on. Yeah, their... but did Mike and McFadden play? Because if they beat Pinsner, if they beat Indiana 52 to 7 with Heisman contender, Heisman favorite Mike and McFadden on I the field. I think he that's played impressive. all four quarters, too. That's, that's, that's pretty fucking impressive for Ohio State. I'm not going to lie. Thanksgiving yeah. Turkey Carver. <laughs> Thanksgiving Not a good look Turkey for us. Carver, Micah McFadden was in the game. Uh, but they were on their third and eventually their fourth string quarterbacks. This isn't the same team that Cincinnati played. Not to mention they're two and four going into this game. What are you playing for? It's hard to motivate a team at two and four. Right. So I, agree. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I agree. I'm, it wasn't the same team Cincinnati played. Micah McFadden played all four quarters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just really struggling to see why Ohio State fans are still up in arms about not being in the top four. Well, you lost. That's why. You know why Ohio State fans are up in arms? Because Cincinnati is number two. Correct. And Ohio that's State every, is number five. That's it. That's the only thing that they're upset about. It has nothing to do. I, I've got something to say on this as well. Go I ahead. wanted to tweet this today, but I didn't feel like starting more shit in my mentions. I, I was yeah. trying to have a. We've had quite a couple days. I was trying to have more of a low-key day today. But if as many Ohio State fans root for Cincinnati when, the, uh, when they're not playing Ohio State as said they did, there'd be an extra, like, 4 million Cincinnati fans. That ain't it. Here's, here's how this one has gone for, like, a month now. 
Ohio State fan talks shit about Cincinnati on the internet. And then somebody says, why are you talking shit about Cincinnati on the internet? And they say, I don't know what you're talking about. I root for Cincinnati when they don't play Ohio State. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> are, you, are you done? That's what I got. All right. Okay. Is, so, is that, am I wrong? Is that not what has happened over and over and over again? I mean, it's getting they, they to the... always fall back on. I root for Cincinnati when they're not playing Ohio State. No, you don't. You lying ass. It's getting the like, I know I said that Xavier is the number one because they're super obnoxious, especially trying to get involved in football talk when they watch whatever's on TV. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's a whole different story. But Ohio State being that they have both football and basketball are very quickly getting to Xavier's level, if not towing the line and running over. it. Oh, no, they've always been worse than Xavier. We I, just don't I, have to deal. We didn't have to deal with them much until now. I. I will also roll with what Jerome Ford said earlier in the season, what he tweeted, because, you know, like you said, Ohio State fans will say, I I root for Cincinnati all the time when they're not playing against, you know, this team or that team, which I'm going to piggyback off that and say, my friends say the same thing in the group chat with me. Well, they say, Brent, while they're talking shit about Cincinnati, they say, Brent, go Bearcats, go Bearcats. And then this season rolls around this season right here. Where Cincinnati is number two in the country. And now I couldn't find a group of bigger haters of the Bearcats other than what I'm seeing in my group right. chat every Saturday. The, the, oh, who are these CYO teams that they're playing every week? Who are these? Well, what, what is what is a Tulane? What is this? What is a Tulsa? What's, what's a Maryland? Yeah. It, a right. Rutgers. Right. Why, right. why is their school name plural? <laughs> yeah i i mean that's a, that's a valid question is there, is there another point. one out there i don't know i don't know i i've, I've always wondered don't get it wow that, that might be the best point you've made in the in the almost 60 shows of this podcast mississippi valley states i, I I'm, I'm trying to think i think that no nope, wow that's it i'm gonna have to dive into that but anyway uh, yeah it's 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 the what jerome ford tweeted they hate us because they ain't us. And this is the time. And a lot of people have said that as well. I'm not going to just give Jerome all the credit for that. But this is the season where that's the case, where think about all the people that hate Alabama. Think about all the people that hate, you know, Georgia or Ohio State outside of the Ohio State clans and fans and, and, and all those people. Just think about how many people hate these teams that are up at the top. You know, it's, it's tough to really see how it is now that we're experiencing all this hate because we are currently at the top. And I say we, as the Cincinnati Bearcats are currently at the top, but why don't we cover Ohio state and Cincinnati on the radio stations? Cause nobody <laughs> cares. <laughs> uh, but you will see Ohio state in the college well, football playoff. Austin Elmore does think about the mic. Okay. Ugh. <laughs> Fire him. They hate us because they ain't us. They hate us because they ain't us. This but, year, uh, that is factual. It is. It really is. And and you know what? It's interesting to how to feel how it is when the rest of the world is looking up at you. But uh, it's got to make except, sure it stays that way. Except the uh, the argument there at us being two and then being five is oh just just wait until the the CFP the real vote comes out. Just wait. Just wait. 
these don't these votes don't matter. Just wait for that vote. You know, I I tell you what, I will be on a different level of frustrated if those do come out and it's it's not it's not good. I like I'm not one to really like go out on a limb and tweet and say crazy things. I'll let Chad handle that. But man, if that happens, I might what are you talking about? I might let the floodgates overflow. I no nothing. Just just something called the twitter.com. I think you should you should drink like two bottles of wine that night. Oh and just let your Twitter fingers go do what they will. And well that shows at what like eight. So yeah, like I just open up a bottle at work. Okay. Yeah. Let and it wind then, down. Yeah, you know. And then by the time it starts, you'll be two bottles in and Maybe I'll Uber. I'll Uber to work and just drink the entire day. There we go. So Brent got fired on November 2nd. (laughs) (laughs) Funny thing about this story, guys, is that Twitter (laughs) banned me for too many offensive things being said. No, Um, they don't do that. They don't don't do that anymore? No. Chad talks like somebody knows. (laughs) (laughs) Watch, I'll I'll get hit tomorrow golly golly well i i don't know i just think even though it was a tough game even though it was a difficult situation here's cincinnati another win no real effect in the polls still undefeated and with a chance to take on Tulane this weekend and yeah it is it is the worst that it does say one in six next to Tulane's name i that's something that i just hate but still come out Take care of business, and it's going to be big time. Um, I'll be in attendance, so that'll be fun. Gonna gonna take on Bourbon Street afterwards. I'll uh, report back on how that was next on the next BBP. How about that, guys? Are you are you going in a fan capacity? Uh, no. Well, my whole family's coming. Girlfriend's going to be there, so uh, I I requested credentials because I know you want me covering. So, um, but. I don't know if it's if it's a fan capacity, but maybe I'll take advantage. But I don't know. It's Make sure a, you take your uh, your proof of vaccination because you have to have it to get in like everywhere down there. Apparently, yeah. I've, I've well, got, that's been a hot spot from like the day COVID started. So I've got a friend I, that lives down there, and she's like, "It's a nightmare down here. Like you're afraid to walk the dog because the COVID might just be walking like next to you, and you don't know. It's, it's not a person. It, it, it's just a." An entity that walks around New Orleans. <laughs> Special voodoo down there. <laughs> right. And, and especially on Halloween weekend. Oh, yeah. Who knows? It's, Who knows? It's going to be wild. Preseason, I was a little nervous about this game, but following this past Saturday and the way that things have kind of shaken out, I, I don't know, Aaron, if you really followed Tulane at all this past week um, and, you're, and you're viewing of the broader scape of, of – and sibling college football. Hell, no. once he didn't have to write the AAC right recap anymore, he stopped watching the whole conference. No, I've been in, I've been including these games in my in my push. <laughs> I think they I think their starting quarterback got. Yeah, he I, got. I watched the video. Yeah. He got absolutely pummeled. I, I would know be shocked if that'll if he be played. right. Right, he's got to be in concussion protocol and then some right now. So, uh, could be interesting. Was, so, so get it at twenty four and a half while you can. You don't have to sweat through another triple option game. If you get it at 24 and a half. Yeah, he was oh, I'm a, sure he they're going to run a lot. No, he's right. a sophomore. He was but, a freshman last year. Yeah, but he got the COVID year. Well. He's still listed as a freshman. He played the whole season last he year. He did. I'm not calling yes. him a fucking freshman. Well, I didn't, I didn't give him true freshman. 
It's not a red shirt. He played the whole year. I'm just going to what he's listed as. Don't get mad at me. I didn't make the rules. I'm not calling him a freshman. Don't I don't care to. what the rules are. He played a full season of football. Yes. Well, he didn't start but, until like week three, but. Yeah. But he's probably not playing Saturday. <laughs> probably not. All right. Let's move yeah. on. Let's move on. Um, number two in the country. I, you know what? Not many people can say that in all of college football. Not many people can say that. There you just, go. Since, no one, just, no, just since no one else. Just with <laughs> literally no one top, else. I, I meant top two in the country. How about that? Top two in the country. Not a lot of people can say that. Top two in the country. Now uh, we move on. Uh, basketball. Right around the corner. Um, Chad, I'm thinking maybe next week or the BBP before the opening game against Evansville. We have a, a, a full dive into a basketball preview. I think that would be. Yeah. We're going to have to get there at some point. Very doodly filled to uh, do that. And, and I'll try my hardest not to drink my ever-flowing cup of optimism right before and dub this team as a uh, sleeper, you know, big-time oh. surpriser like I did last year. But anyway, I don't believe you, but there's only 15 promises. <laughs> there's only 15 days left. Right, exactly, exactly. Last, last week we, we touched on uh, Victor Locken and how he has really surprised a lot and, and practices and everything as a big man. And, and I want to touch on something that the uh, official Twitter account tweeted out today. And it's something we've talked about before and has been mentioned and tossed around. Did it's they say very... Victor locked in? Ooh, Victor locked in. Or, or Chad's uh, less appraised and acclaimed victory. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, I hate you both. <laughs> It's it's pretty it is pretty insane that Cincinnati currently has the number one and number two shot blocking or, or the top shot blocking duo in college basketball at their disposal because I mean especially when you look at Hayden Cobal sure he did play a lot at Western Carolina but you know last year he was kind of you know came in was kind of splitting time around twenty minutes a game at UNCG so I, I mean this is piling on of blocks this is a big man rotation. Between these three, and of course, of course, Odie, and and then you have the the combo forwards at your disposal as well, especially JD. I mean, is this a a big group that is something that we have not seen in a very long time at the University of Cincinnati? I mean, it's definitely the the most number of guys they've had in the post for a long time now. Right. Um. I don't know that that's necessarily, as I've talked about, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing for uh, pressing open right. floor up and down style. But it is for that backstop, you know? Well, it, yeah, if, you, if you're going to play rock fights, and I think they're going to have to play some rock fights, then, you know, it's a good thing to have. Um, right. I, I don't think it's where Wes really fully wants things yet, but, you know, that's part of, inheriting a roster and then trying to go out and get the best guys you can. And then I would say with Victor, because Victor had met, you know, Victor had been on campus for a year and mm -hmm. hadn't completed one practice in that year. Right. And then he had a setback with his knee. There was actually some concern of like, you know, is this going to, is this going to work out for this kid? And right. now all of a sudden, 
you know, he's playing like one of the best players on the, on the team. You're going to have to find him some minutes somewhere. Like there's a chance you could see multiple seven footers on the floor, you know, a a doe being six ten or whatever, but you can see multiple six ten seven foot lineups, you know, with this, with this team, which uh, you don't see a whole lot more in, in college basketball these days, teams have gone smaller, but the construction of this roster the concern with, you know, how much depth do you have right now on the wing? Um, and the fact that you've got, if you count the combo forwards, basically six big men mm-hmm. for, for two and a half spots. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see once the season gets started, how less tinkers with things to, to get what he feels is his best combination of, you know, his most talented players on the floor. Cause it's, it's going to be uh, some spots where, where what used to be conventional is going to be conventional again. Is <laughs> right. probably right. the best way I can put it. Basketball has gone in a different direction, but the roster construction of this team, I think is going to, going to create some interesting lineups and, uh, interesting usage of guys as we move forward. Uh, so as, as far as, it, uh, you know, the matchup zone was obviously the, the beauty part of, of Mick Cronin and his ability for teams to, for his teams to really just dominate defensively. Um, didn't really see too much zone from, from uh, John Brandon, a little bit here and there, but, you know, it seemed as if after every single you know, straight line drive to the basket, pass by uh fans were really pleading for a two three zone or some sort of infiltration of it and and he did end up adapting it do we know at this point how much or if at all a west miller team would be into this a a zone look especially with the amount of bigs at their disposal I, i i think that's a um I don't think it's smart to try to play zone if you're playing big. Right. Just because, you know, like if you look at, uh, you know, like Syracuse, for example, they generally, they like, they play with one big in length, in yeah. length, really long athletic wings that can close out in the corners. Yeah. Um, you know, you're really vulnerable for, allowing a lot of looks from three if you're playing big yeah. on the back line of a zone. Um, I, I think you're going to have to be rotationally sound. Um, you know, if, if it gets to a point where he, de- he deems that man-to-man's not working, like, you know, possibly. Uh, but I think Wes is more, more of a man-to-man guy. Yeah. Um, I know he likes to mix it up, so that's not to rule out, like, that we, we won't see zone. It's just I think you'll primarily see man unless man becomes untenable with with the way that the team is performing. So, but I don't like who knows, man. Like, and I know people are dying for basketball content, but who knows? That's that's the thing that I am like. You look at it like Aaron. Think about the amount of players on this team that could be like that—that that sleeper getting ready to explode. Like, uh, like John Newman had a great season for Clemson two years ago, and in, in ACC play, and 
I feel like he's not really even that talked about. He's like, yeah, he'll probably start on the wing. You know, he'll probably be the three in the starting lineup. But that's kind of where the conversation about John Newman ends. You know, you talk about the possibility of David Julius going back to his scoring self. And there's just so many different. A.J. McGinnis. Yeah, A.J. McGinnis and and Mason Madsen. And, you know, one of the uh, under the radar breakout players, Mikey Saunders. It's it's just who knows? There's so many just question marks on on what exactly can be coming out of this team. I'm just I feel like this is the lowest expectations I've had for a team while being as excited as I am. Like, I don't, I don't care what they do. I'm just excited to see. We don't know if they're going to be horrible (laughs) or good. Right. Exactly. Anywhere in between. But I think we're all excited just to see what this new iteration looks like with a new regime and a new completely turned over roster. Unless they stink, then we're not going to be so excited. I don't think they're going to stink, but I, I don't know. <laughs> what it's gonna look like? Preseason no sixth in the American. It can't be worse than last year. If you're 100, sixth in the American, you stink. One hundred and twenty second in the yeah, like like the the preseason implications are this team is They're not, not going to be, be good. Good, yeah, but no one knows anything. About it. You saw that ESPN graphic when they did the well, it wasn't ESPN. Yeah, it was ESPN. The the AAC Media Days. They had top returners. They got Davenport, right? And then the second one that they had was Abdullah Du. And he's not a returner. And then after that, the top incoming player they had, do you guys remember who it was? I Uh, I was was at the Holy Grail. I don't recall. CJ Anthony, a (laughs) walk-up. That's not a returning player. No, 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 top incoming player. Oh, top it. Yeah, well, that's just dumb. <laughs> like, I, that is how much people don't know about this team. That's not not knowing this team. That's being terrible at research. <laughs> well, but it's also just not knowing the team either. Like, uh, like anyone and the being top terrible head, at research. Right, right. It, yes, La- two, lazy. twofold, sure. But anyone could have just been like, oh, well. We are literally talking about Abdullah Dub as being a great player for Mississippi State last year. We literally just talked about that. Yeah, here's a graphic saying he's a top returning player. I I don't know. It's it just that's, seems that's, like that's, no it's one bad, knows it's bad research. No one knows much about this team literally at all. And I think that's one of the joys about it. And I think I don't know. I think did Georgia just lose an exhibition game to like Valdosta State or something weird like that? I I know it is what it is, but I'm just I saying. I haven't spent two seconds with the capacity to worry about. I just I just saw who's, it pop who's through playing on exhibition Twitter. games. They're projected like 16 in the SEC or something like that. Right. So dead last, whatever. Creepy green. So yeah, he's uh, you know, there was a conversation about just SEC coaches when it comes to. Yeah, so Charlotte beat Georgia in a chair, charity exhibition, seventy six to sixty five. So, um, I don't know. We'll we'll see. But yeah, right. Yes. What was his name again? Diego Aguavera. Diego. Yep. Uh-huh. Man, he was, he was interesting. God, I hated those kisses. Gosh, he uh, he he did a lot of them too. But um, anyway, I I don't know. I think with this team, we just, just don't know. Yeah, with this team, you got to just wait and see. I mean, even if. Even if you went to practice everything every single day, I, 
I don't think you could really draw conclusions other than like, oh, uh, you know, JD was hot from three in this game in, in, during this practice day. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah, because you, you don't know. Like, at least there's a baseline of like, this is I, what I know this guy is in the system. Right. Right. Like, this is how I know. Like, I, I know this is his role. I know this is what his usage is going to look like. Right. We don't know anything, anything about this team. And I don't think the coaching staff really knows all that much yet. Like, they're still day by day figuring out what they think they have. Yeah. I'm sure they learned quite a bit from Detroit Mercy. I, it sucks that I'm not allowed inside right now. So I could go to practice. I might. She's got an appointment tomorrow. I might, I might see if I'm allowed to sneak something in this week because I know like, honestly, the first two weeks of the season are probably questionable at best for me. Cause she's getting two more. She's getting a chemo blast on Thursday and then another one the following Thursday. And that's what, spikes or, or tanks her white blood cell counts right uh and then when her white blood cell counts tank then she's not allowed to even get the sniffles or you got to take her to the emergency room right so i know that's coming so i might see if i can get in there before she gets this chemo blast because it takes like a week to to bottom her out so mm-hmm. I, I'm, I might see if i can get in at some point this week and and just catch catch a practice uh but I mean, it, it it's killing me because if I'm allowed, I can go, and I I, <laughs> I, I but I can't <laughs> like Great. that part. Yeah, that part for me is like there are days I'm looking at the clock at like three o'clock, like I should be in the gym because it's yeah. being in the gym makes me happy. <laughs> tweet tweet chirp chirp. Yeah. Ah, but. Uh, what is this the into the unknown season as we head into the this game, uh, completely yeah. it's uh, into the abyss like huh. every game for like the first probably two months two and a half months is going to be just a complete like rewriting like a new chapter in the book and, and, and can you imagine if somehow some way i and i, I think it's it's possible right now really don't no know. i can't imagine but yeah, but I'm just saying at, <laughs> against Illinois, if, if all of a sudden something happened, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch. And, uh, you know, that first game against Evansville, we'll do a deeper dive on a, on a pod here soon, Chad. I don't know if it'll be on the BBP or whatnot, but, but kind of just, you know, break down some superlatives of the team and whatnot. But it just seems as, as it's such just a who knows ordeal because you have players coming from here, players coming from there. Returning players here with players coming from everywhere. Right. It's just <laughs> who knows? It'll be it'll be exciting to watch, especially when you throw in like Victor Lockett is having performances and practices that leads players and coaches to be like, yeah, this guy's gonna play. He he has to. So I think it'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch. But uh that's about it for now on that. Um, anything recruiting before we jump into the mailbag, guys? I I think it's been kind of Kind of quiet, especially with the road uh, football game. I think what did the basketball have a the basketball had the uh, unofficial visitor, the cathedral kid. Um, 
Yeah, they've had a couple okay. pop in and out. They they were they had a they got a weekend off, kind of right. recharge your batteries before you know a long season begins. Um, but yeah, Xavier Booker stopped by on Friday. Um, they've from had one of the other... greatest high schools in the entire world. If you didn't know, it's a, just a spectacular institution that he attends. Uh, and somebody gets shot there like a week ago. Uh, no. Not a cathedral high school. At a football game, didn't like somebody get that was that was Ben Davis versus Carmel. Oh, Carmel. Okay. Sorry. Which, yeah, I did grow up in Carmel Carmel. Cathedral. I knew you both had you had ties to both of those. Yes, but uh places. Cathedral. We call it the, <laughs> the, the pinnacle around here. But uh yeah, I I digress. So uh, more on that front probably as as things evolve, but yeah, it seemed like a quiet weekend. Yeah. Uh, in, in football, 10 kids made playoffs so far. Um, but uh, a handful of kids are still finishing out their seasons. Um, so we'll have some stuff on that. Should have that article up by tomorrow um, with our, our recruiting roundup. Mm-hmm. But uh, that'll have some more information. But, yeah, um, looking forward to seeing what these kids can do in the playoffs because uh, most – that have finished their season, I think all but one or two uh, didn't make the playoffs so far. So, well, now that just means they're bring them on in. Time to time to step up to the big show. Um, I guess uh, BBP mailbag. You uh, you divvied it up into three different nice concise locations. It seems like everyone kind of fo- fell into line and, and followed the rules. But um, let's uh, let's dive right in. They did, and I feel like I don't know if it was because the VIP was or, or the uh, the the banks was in the 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 banks mailbag is VIP, so anybody who doesn't have an actual membership couldn't ah. go and comment in the the banks mailbag. So most everybody if, has a membership that comments on the boards. So the, okay, well, just, we just got to get people used to going. Like when they hear this, then they'll realize next week. I got to put my off-topic stuff on the banks. So we got the football, to the, banks. we got the football questions in the football bag, basketball questions in the basketball bag, and the off-topic we threw in the uh, in the banks. So uh, starting off, though, uh, there was talk about the coaching staff making stops in the Baltimore area to watch recruits. I assume a few stayed behind Saturday night to meet up with the recruits and watch games. And who were they? Uh, they went to see Oliver Bridges. I was going to say, um, he's the only kid in Maryland. And then there were a couple young kids that they kind of I think it's more there's a couple programs that that they have connections to uh, that they just kind of went out and, and checked out. It wasn't anything major. And I don't think anybody stayed behind Saturday. Why would they would they stay behind Saturday? That sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> get on a plane, get home. Get the hell <laughs> out of there. They're not yeah. Urban Meyer. There's no, no they, they got oh. there a day early. <laughs> they did not stay a day late. That was that was a distasteful joke. I, I apologize. It was funny, yeah. though. I wasn't mad. Uh, how has recruiting changed with Trestle as defensive coordinator? Are they targeting different types of players? Also, do you think his experience play calling against Navy had some impact on the ability of the defense to get stops early in the game? I don't think it's too much of a difference. Um, you're still seeing a lot of the same type kids targeted. Remember, Trestle's been recruiting Ohio forever and ever and ever. So, um, 
I, I, I don't see too much of a difference uh, in their terms of style. Uh, defensively, I, I just, I, I just think they didn't, they didn't make the plays on third down. I'll give Navy some credit there. I thought they were a lot more innovative on third down than we've seen from them in the past. Um, I think that comes with, they do have a quarterback that looks like he can throw a little. Uh, so, you know, maybe that is something going forward that, that you'll see uh, a little bit more variation out of them with this kid as he gets comfortable at quarterback over the years. Um, but I, I just, I, I just don't think they did a great job on, on third and fourth down. Like I, I and I, I think in large part, it was, if anything was different between 2018 and, and 2021, let's not forget Cortez Broughton and Marquise Copeland were really, really good. They like were. those, those were grown ass men mm-hmm. a couple months away from starting their NFL careers. So, um, I wouldn't look too much into it. I, I, yeah. I didn't see anything that, that really stood out that I thought was a schematic problem. Um, well, no, Luke, Luke mentioned in the post game presser that they, they planned for one thing and then Navy came out and, and threw something at them that they hadn't done all year. So I think it's, oh, also yeah, just that's another, running those, the passing, running those underneath circle routes. Yeah. And, and, and putting people out out wide and different things like yeah. that a lot of the time. So it, I think it was just Navy circled this game. They said, let's pull out literally all the stops. Everyone's going to throw the entire playbook at them. And who cares what we put on tape from here on out? Let's, let's go. This is our Super Bowl. So yeah, I don't think. And you know, anywhere than that. I, I'm not a football savant, but it, I, my hunch is it is hard to game plan for things that are not on tape. Right. I, I don't know. I, Especially when it's a triple option team that you're like, okay, we saw this variation against, wait a minute. We didn't see this variation against anybody because it's the only triple option team that we face. But yeah, Army, as they talked about last year, the broadcast, but, yeah. they're run. they've got a different offensive coordinator. They got, they've got a different set of eyes kind of behind that offense where maybe it was, it was a little unpredictable. All right, so why do we even pay these coaches when the play on the field is dictated by the color of UC's helmets? It's a good point. It's a, it's a great really question. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's crazy. Do they just like burn I said, all? Do they burn all the white helmets? No, uh, they don't. They they don't believe fans are smart. Maybe we color them all <laughs> black and like color them red. Like I said, thank God they didn't wear black helmets in the sugar or the the, the sugar bowl. Because boy, this fan base would be in a, in a real tough spot if that that happened in the Sugar Bowl. What they wear against Virginia Tech? Black. I don't. Know. Black. Yeah. I'm sure. That's what I'm saying. Like they've they've won games in all their helmets. They've lost games in all their helmets. It's crazy. How about that it one crazy matter. helmet? What was that one crazy helmet that they had like the gold on there and everything? That was a the interesting red with look. like the 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 black triangles with the gold. Yeah, that yeah. Sweet. That was a sweet helmet. Interesting look. I agree. TV announcers seem to be getting worse every year, especially during UC games. What's up with that? And are there any good ones left? <laughs> I loved Orlovsky. I thought Orlovsky was outstanding two weeks ago. He has a certain uh, je ne sais quoi about him. And he. We just called the game. He has he a soft like spot that, for that, Cincinnati. Yeah. That's the problem anymore. 
is none of these guys like actually know enough. They don't do their homework enough to know the teams that they're watching to be able to intelligently talk about the game. Like it's annoying. Like Rod Gilmore, you know, he said the right things early in the broadcast. And then it was, it was the Rod Gilmore radio show. Like from there, it was college football playoff and how this is going to affect the college football play. Like that you, if, if you're doing a drinking game for that by, by the end of the fourth, you were, Look, we're feeling good <laughs> in a blowout, like with Orlovsky against uh, UCF, UCF. If you're calling a blowout, I get it. At some point in time in the fourth quarter, you're going to have to talk about some other shit. Yeah. You got filler, right? Yeah. You got, you've got to have filler material, right? But for three quarters, three and a half quarters, Orlovsky called what he was watching. Like that. It's such a lost art anymore in, in color commentary. And I think a lot of it is because these guys aren't what, what, what color commentators are, are like trained radio professionals or trained TV professionals. They're just former athletes that, that talk the best. Yeah. Right. Like that are trying to figure out their life outside of, they're not skilled in actually calling a game. And like, I would love for more, I this is what I see this team trying to do, and this is what I see this team adjusting. This is what happened here. Yeah, this is what happened there. Like, but nobody calls the game anymore. Like, you know, they they they've got their little quirky catchphrases, and you know, if there's a big play, they'll talk about it on the replay. But nobody just sits down for 60 minutes as a as a color analyst and analyzes anymore. It sucks. Yeah, I, so I'm glad. Like I, th- I was really happy. Like I couldn't go to the UCF game again, so I'm allowed to be anywhere at that point in time. Um, but normally I, I don't have to worry about it, right? Because I'm either at the game or I'm at the Grail, and at the Grail, like you can hear it a little bit, but you're not like immersed in the broadcast. Like you're not you're not listening to every word that's being said. Which is fine by me because I, I don't need it. I'd, I'd rather, you know, just watch the game and come up, up with my own analysis and conclusions because they just right. – nobody does nobody does it anymore. It, it, it sucks. Brent, you, you've done this for a long – like, you know. I have, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it boils down to preparation. And I think uh, – like you said, I, I think the – ex-quarterbacks are the best former players for it because they are the ones that have had to if they do the study work. the right they've had to study the game the most up to that point and then all of a sudden if you're able to kind of just dissect what the the two teams are giving you offensively then you then all of a sudden you can flip it defensively because you know what to see on the defense i think it's all it's all preparation and i think when it comes to radio that's when you really need to know your stuff because you don't have a picture in front of you you have to paint the picture for everyone else and in TV, you could come into that game with minimal preparation and, and BS your way through all of it. Let's go yeah. back to Senator Tuberville. If you remember, he, he spent a year calling games. He didn't know a single name of anyone on it. Oh, that, nice, nice play number, there by number six. Right. Number, right. Who's number surprised six. that he didn't know something, though? Right. But that's like that's essentially where we're at right now. Right. He just he doesn't look at the spotter. The spotter's right there telling you, pointing at you, 
this is number eight's name. And Tommy was like, I'll be damned if I'm looking down at that there piece of paper. Right. All I know is I'm not shocked that he didn't know something that had to do specifically with his job. Being good at his job, right. Just <laughs> just saying. Fair. Uh, thoughts on the new OT rules that we got to witness this weekend. I'll start. I hate them. I absolutely <laughs> hate them. I want, I want all overtimes to start from the 40 and actually work for the, the 40. touchdown. Oof. Like, work for it. Why are we starting at the three? It's awful. It's too fast. These dudes are running back and forth nine times. Well, especially in college with college kickers, if you started at the 40, it's going to solve itself real well, unless you get a situation where nobody can score. That's also that's possible. Yeah. But I don't, I don't mind the 25 in college, but, but the, 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 it's basically penalty kicks, right? Mm-hmm. A two point conversion. Every play is penalty kicks. But worse, because how many coaches have more than, like, three goal line plays? Fair. I, I mean, what what I think is the, the fourth down play it call. It doesn't matter what you think. Thank you. The fourth <laughs> down play call and, the, and, and, and that two-point conversion play call are supposed to be that one play that you have in, in your back pocket that, that works, that, that you know is going to work. Shit? On an overtime? I mean, to win the game, 100% you wasted on that. Not if it's like some crazy trick gimmick play. Like you just. Yes, it is. You, I don't you know, man. use that to win the game. But like, you've played four quarters. The so chances are you've had to run goal line plays. Right. No, well, but I'm just you've, saying, used, you've used that stuff already. I'm just saying these coaches look clueless by the time it reached the second, fourth, third. Because they don't, they don't have overtime. more than three. I'm telling you, they, they, they have the quarterback sneak. They have a, a halfback blast, and they have – And the tight end in the flat. Play action. The and tight I end like, sneaks out into the corner. I yep. like the new overtime thing if I'm watching it because I got a good chuckle out of that game this weekend. But I would hate it if my team was in it. Hate it. I think, I think they messed up with this one, and they got to figure it out. It's like the one-game wild card in, in baseball. You know what I mean? <laughs> But worse. Figure it out. <laughs> all right. Are you at all surprised by the play calling when Prater is in? He's played roughly four quarters now, ballpark, and has only thrown five times. I understand no, you want to beating the hell out of people. I understand you want to ease him in, but that seems wild to me. It's not easing him in. They're beating the hell out of people when he's come in. Yeah. I you're just I mean, trying to get the game over and get out of dodge. He's he's played roughly four quarters, but he's played roughly zero meaningful snaps. Roughly? Yes. Okay. Roughly. If there's one area besides kicking that will cost the team a win, what do you think it is? Trick trick plays. I that would be it. And in a close game, if if some team has some sort of Random trickery. I, I mean, reverses have killed this team so far this year. And Navy did a reverse in this game as well. Picked up 30 yards on their first scoring drive. Um, yeah. You, UCF's reverse play. Indiana had had numerous end-around reverses as well. Um, just kind of those trick misdirection plays. I mean, if, if a team pops two of those off in a close game, I don't know. So, But, but I don't know really what that kind of – would would pertain to but aside from that you know people will say play calling offensively i i i just think that when the when the big bright lights come on i think that 
you, you saw it against Georgia last year in that first half, especially the offense was clicking. They were, they were running big time plays. So I think some sort of trickery woofu mufu would, would be the one to, uh, what's a, what's a woofu mufu? Just like, like woof, foo, woof, foo, like that. Like when you watch the play, you're like, whoa, ooh, ah, like that. Do you make I mean, I've comic said, book? I've said, I've said foo a couple times when watching the play, but it's usually followed by a cut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you always make right. comic book sounds when you watch sports? Yeah, kind yuck, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> I yeah, I'm real. I'm someone that is like just quiet the entire game watching, and then like something big will happen, and I'll just like stand up and be like. And like scare everyone in the room. So I just want there to be like a big explosion, and inside that explosion says "Kapow." Okay. I, I had another situation this week where, like, I I had another Aaron situation this week. Oh gosh. Where somebody I I really like who's a culprit, someone someone that we we have uh, a working relationship with. Throw him under the bus. Um, no, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna apologize. Like, oh, oh, they they were like Aaron. Like they, they want to talk to me during games mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I, that's not the time to talk. No, I didn't snap. I just like just watch the game. Like, so right. they're talking and I'm essentially ignoring them. Like I'm listening, but my eye is on what's the coverage. What's, what are we doing? Like, what's the, the play? What's the design? What are we doing? And I hope they didn't get mad at me. Because they, they they meant no harm, right? Well, well, whoever you are out there, you know it, and he apologizes. I'm just an asshole. Like I'm a terrible person to watch games with. He apologizes. Aaron knows. Sometimes you go outside and just watch the other screen that's several seconds ahead and vape, and, and you know what happens. I didn't pout. Get out of here. You pout Oof. a little. Come Oof. on, free free days. Thoughts on his Oof. number Oof. being called less. Imagine a read option on the second. And two or third and three from the 42 late in the fourth. Thoughts on why? Is that first down worth this season? Because that's what you're risking every time Des runs the ball. I'd say no. Oh, by the way, I forgot, to, I, forgot yes. to, I forgot to answer the, 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 the last question. Uh, I, I still would be concerned with speed rushing on the edge. We've seen Dez get strip sacked a couple times. We've seen big hits a couple times. Oh, the offense speed rushing. Offensive line, speed okay. rushing. Like yeah. uh, the yeah. tackles. I think the tackles have, for the most part, done a good job. But there's typically been a time or two each game where they get beat with an edge rush. Right. Um, and that, that UCF you, like, drive. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're talking college football playoff, like, you know, or even if you're talking like playing against Houston, Houston's got some dudes on the edge that are that are decent. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're talking Georgia, if you're talking Alabama, like you're going to have to to continue to be better on the edge, yeah. uh, protecting Des in like clear passing situations. Uh, that would be my one concern. Where are we at again? Des. It simply comes down to like the realization that all it takes to throw all of this off the rails is one ill-timed run where 
a, a, a safety gets a, a shot at Dez's shoulder and Dez doesn't see him coming from the side. Or Dez is trying to get out of bounds. Like, remember the Chase Young hit? Dez was trying to get out of bounds, and he hadn't gotten out of bounds yet. Mm-hmm. And Chase Young hit him, landed on him, jacked up his shoulder, and threw off the rhythm of, of his entire season. Look, you want to talk about playoff scenarios and college playoff football, the, the, the committee, and all that shit. Imagine what the committee would do to Cincinnati without Dez. If Evan Prater. If Evan Prater was the quarterback, and that's not a knock on Evan, but Dez is on track to be a top five most winningest quarterback in college football history. If you don't think that gives Cincinnati some juice, I don't know what to tell you. So I know it's frustrating. I want to see him run more. There's three times a game where he gives the ball on a dive instead of keeping it and running outside that I'm like, there was, there was 12 yards there. But then I'm also like, yeah, but what if the, the linebacker read properly and meets him at the 10-yard line on that 12-yard run, and now you're without Dez? And if you're without Dez, you're not getting in. You're not getting in without Desmond Ritter. So I, I don't love it. I, I think part of what makes Dez so dangerous is his legs. I agree with everybody on that front. But I also very much understand, like, if you don't have him running this offense, this team is not viewed as a championship caliber team. And he's the one guy. Like, he's the one guy. So. Devil's advocate here. Um, Say that first CFP poll comes out, right? And Cincinnati is magically at number five, even though they're still number two in the country or something like that. And they bring on the Iowa guy. I forget his name. Um, And he kind of just says, yeah, you know, the past couple weeks, we haven't seen much out of the Cincinnati offense, the dynamic rush pass of their, of their quarterback hasn't been there. 50, 50 points a week ago. Well, you watched the the buffoonery that they said at week in and week out last year at the college football. Gary, okay, I'm just Gary. That, what's his last name? Barta. Barta. Yeah, Gary Barta. Uh, Barta. How the fuck did I pull that out of my ass? I don't know. I don't know where I got Gary from. I mean, that was great teamwork, Aaron. That was. was a lob and a, that was a lob and a dunk right there. Air high five. But gotcha. it, gosh, yeah. Oh man, looking at his face just brought back shivers from last year. But, you know, it's then all of a sudden, yeah, then all of a sudden, do you see Des flip a switch and say, all right, let's go gain 100 yards of rushing and and air air. So I I don't know. I think at some point, like I just got so used to seeing third down and six. If Des hasn't doesn't have that first option open, he's going to tuck and run and more than likely pick up the first down. Also, in that little bread and butter play with, with the RPO and then the rolling out to the right. And you've got a tight end open, and you've got the wide receiver open. Aaron, like sometimes a couple of awkward throws. You know, you saw that one awkward looking throw to Lenny in, in this past game. You saw yeah. another, another awkward looking throw to, to uh, Josh a couple of times in, in the past game and the game before. When you also could see Des could probably scoot and shimmy and gain about seven, eight yards. Well, and I feel so, like that's, I don't that's know. how you. 
I think that's how you know that everything that Chad's saying is true in that he's not running the ball for fear of risk of injury. I right. mean, and, and while it's not aesthetically pleasing to a fan who's certainly gotten used to seeing him scamper for yards and yards and yards at a time. I mean, he is tied for the longest rush in program history. I was, I was going to say, I hearkened back to what a 90, how, how, how long was that? 90 yards. Yeah. 93. Maybe. I don't know. Like it was absurd, but yeah. yeah, I mean, just last year when he, when he had that huge run at us, um, yeah. you know, we, we, we certainly missed that out of Des, but I don't, I don't know that unless, you know, the, the CFP is on the line and you're looking at a one score game against an SMU or in an AAC championship and you're playing for everything. Right. I don't know that you're, you're risking that at this point in time. Right. So it's, it's, it sucks. I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but unfortunately that's just kind of where we are right now. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Um, <laughs> so are there any updates regarding a new apparel deal? If not, when do you think the admin will start having discussions about it? <laughs> I don't I don't have any answers about that. Well, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Chad? Are there any updates regarding a new apparel deal? And if not, when do you think the admin will start having discussions about it? They're still getting money until I think April of 2022. So until that last check clears, <laughs> you're waiting for that last check to clear. What was that one billboard that was making its way on, on Twitter a little bit that said like it's time and, and it was the, the jump man and all that stuff. No idea. Okay. Probably That's- somebody doing Photoshop. Maybe I didn't. I didn't see a board like that, but yeah, maybe. No. All right. We're all happy with the pool of recruits for football and basketball at recent games. Not sure if NCAA rules allow it, but could you see perhaps show them on the scoreboard during a timeout to give fans the opportunity to recognize them? I actually don't think they're allowed. I think that is against rules. I'd have to check on that, but I've, I I'd know in the past. Do- I'd imagine they'd be doing it if it was allowed. Well, well, I think that they probably can't like put their name up on the scoreboard because yeah, because I was at a, just a quick story, little high school story. I was at I was at a recruiting visit at Purdue with with one of my buddies, and I was randomly sitting next to Matt Painter, and uh, before you know it, there there we are, all of us up on the scoreboard, you know, up up on the jumbotron. I I throw my arm around Painter, and I'm like, look, look, look. You know, he didn't really even acknowledge it, but the crowd did go wild and the uh, and the recruits were waving a little bit. Didn't acknowledge it or didn't acknowledge you? Didn't acknowledge being on the Jumbotron. And then I was or, like, or you? No, he was loving me, loving me. But anyway, Painter, so then all of a sudden, Painter all of a sudden turns to me. He's just like, he's like, man, you know, sometimes when, when you're on the Jumbotron, you just got to play it cool. You got to act like you're not up there. I was like, I was like, yeah, I mean, I haven't been up there much. So I understand that other than one time I was a lookalike of Eddie Munster from the Adams family. So, but and, anyway, aside from that, I think, it's, I think it's allowed to put the players up there, but not have their names on there. And if the fans know who it is, then they can go wild. You know what I mean? Kind of just like a shot at the crowd. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with that, but I don't think 
anyone would lock in and be like, oh, that is, you know. Well, and I think player that's X and player a, y. I think that's a production, like an outside production crew that like does a lot of that stuff for like freelancers. Right. Like that's a level of coordination. I just I, I don't I don't yeah. think you see it happening. Like yeah, well they'd be like at the start of the third quarter, Wesley Tubbs will be sitting right here. I need right. you to get get an eyeball view on him. So I don't know. I think it's possible, but I just don't think it's like anything beyond that. All right. Do you have any wacky lineups you'd like to see with the football team? I really want to see Cam Jones running the Wildcat. <laughs> Personally, I'd like to see like a Watley or a uh, even a even a Brooks, somebody running fullback. Watley's Watley was a running back in high school, so yeah. I think that'd be fun. I'd love to see Watley goal, goal line Watley. Yeah, uh, I think that would be fun. Uh, I like to see Kobe at wide receiver. He thinks he can do it. <laughs> Just one play. I wouldn't put anything past that guy if he thinks he can do it. He's doing it. I would say. I, he, I would I say. Cam Jones wide receiver eligible on a on like a side. Could be could be a play out there in the future. I think he might have outgrown special packages. Right, but I think he for could now. still catch the ball. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't think he did a lot of catching the ball. He was a quarterback. Well, they moved him to tight end. He had he had a couple catches last year. He yeah. did. Yeah. He's a, a much different person than he was <laughs> a year ago. <laughs> he can still catch it, but I agree. I agree. Is it uh, because he has hands? Yes. Attached to wrist. That, that is why. That is why. But um, maybe a little. Like tri- Rutgers, I said plural. Right. <laughs> Trey Tucker in the backfield at running. Still don't back? get it. The state colleges of New Jersey. <laughs> that explains everything. <laughs> the Xavier's Musketeers. All right. Um, what was the biggest difference from the blowout last time versus Navy to now? I think we talked about that. I've covered By that large. extensively. Um, your favorite 90 mile per hour songs. Song comes on, you look down, you're doing 90 miles per hour. Now, this should have been in the other mailbag, but alas, it is here. Now, I've given some thought to this. Uh, some people responded with BOB Outcast, which would be a I mean, Bombs Over Baghdad choice. is, yeah, that's like, that's a your foot on the gas on that one for sure. Dan- I've, I've done 90 to bombs over back then before. Danger zone, Kenny Loggins, um, anything outcast, uh, outshine sound garden, spoon man, sound garden. I'm saying right above it by Lil Wayne and Drake or anything limp biscuit, because that shit will get you hype or <laughs> ba with the ba by kid rock. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I got another quick story. Uh, I was driving. Oh, up Christ! To, I was driving up to uh, Minnesota to my uh, my buddy's lake house up there, and uh, here I am in in Wisconsin. It's it's late night. It was after a Friday night football game. I broadcasted, and we were just playing music on the way up. And all of a sudden, embarrassing to admit, Taylor Swift, "We Are Never Getting Back Together," came on, and and the three of us in the car were just belting it out. I'm in Wisconsin. I get a ticket going 95 and a 70. There are des- some stories you probably shouldn't tell. You deserved that ticket. You realize that, right? A thousand percent. A thousand I'm okay percent. With, I'm okay with putting it out there, guys, because it happened. And That's I, reckless uh, op. It was. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened in my life that I'm just not telling the story. Uh, oh, believe me, that was that's on the lowest of the totem pole of uh, 25 over. Wasn't reckless op? 
No, I uh, talked him down. You told him you were belting out Taylor Swift, never no, ever said, getting back together. I said, I said, we've got a lot of ways to go still, sir. Please don't hurt me too bad. He said, all right, I'll bump it down for you. Just he saw the slow track down a on, bit. He saw the track on pause and immediately felt bad for you. And you all paused your, it, didn't you? All of your comrades. I, I think we just turned it down. I think we just turned it down and then turned it, it back up. It was still bopping. Yeah. Low in the background. All the Swifty fans out there. Hi, Chelsea. Got, Chad? She listens, so Chelsea's going to be happy for you. Uh, bombs over Baghdad would be would be near the top of that list. Uh, I'm a like one of my favorite songs ever, as Jane says, but like the live version with the steel drums. So you get me driving with the steel drums and and the the lyrics to Jane says, and I'll probably uh hit the gas a little harder than than normal <laughs> um any like any of the hardcore like old school nwa stuff fuck the police you know <laughs> 100 miles and running tupac hit him up eh, i see for, I've, we've talked about this for we me, have tupac has an age well i know I, like I, I know. it doesn't it doesn't get my juices flowing like it used to well biggie though I mean, I know Biggie does. No, I'm not but speeding to Biggie. Not, like you're just getting down, right? Eyes but, might be bloodshot, but, like, but I'm not speeding. Move, get out the way, get out the way. That that one a little bit too. That's Luda. All right. Um, are you concerned with line play? Seems like blitzing off the edges had more success last game and second half of UCF. Um, before we answer that question, if we don't mention, pump it up two songs that you should hit 92 people are going to freak out so we'll throw we didn't it mention it because we hit 100 when that comes up right i don't worry about 90 <laughs> i haven't driven out. i haven't driven the rogue on a road trip yet listening to pump it up the rogue the rogue i think is going to be a problem because the rogue drives really smooth it's one of those like you can't tell if you're going 70 or 90 like the you know there's a lot of cars you drive where there's a discernible difference and how the car feels the faster you go the rogue is pretty smooth i haven't i haven't done road trips yet with the rogue so you say whoa 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 slow down yeah like uh, and 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 the rogue the other problem is it's got the dial with the little like speedometer thing instead of the digital readout Ooh, and that's a lot harder to track that's a lot harder to track than when there's just a giant number yep and like neon lights right there on the dashboard so That'll get you in trouble. Um, I might have a new list, like, you know, this spring. And uh, <laughs> probably a speeding ticket or two. Through All Wisconsin, right. listening to Taylor Swift. I agree. Are you concerned with line play? Seems like blitzing off edges had more success last game in the second half of UCF. I just talked about that. Um, I think teams are starting to, to send some numbers and saying, make a quick read, beat us with that. Um, I thought that's what ha- – well, what happened with UCF was – they only had five guys in the box of the ball game. And then all of a sudden they were blitzing eight, seven or eight. Like that, that takes a second for your brain to adjust a complete shift in like what you're, you're seeing happen. So that was two plays in the UCF game. Um, So I'm not overly concerned with that. I I did think with Navy, uh, they just basically said on, on early downs, we're going to run blitz you. Yeah. And if it happens to end up being a pass blitz, then it happens to end up being a pass blitz. Uh, 
so that's always that's always a numbers game. Um, and UC has not been, I mean, most of the time, like even when, when they're in 12 personnel, both tight ends are more often than not out in the route, you know. Yeah. Um, and and they like to get forward out for a quick release on a hot route. So you don't have a lot of protection back there. Um, if it does become something teams are are looking to do more frequently because they think they've seen on tape that they can have some success with it, then I think you're going to have to adjust and and leave another guy or two in uh, to help to help the play develop. Yeah, I think there was one bad sack that Navy had when uh, it was like second and four. Yeah, and I think Des could have got that ball out. Yeah, he probably he probably should have thrown it away, but I think it's Des is at that point where he's he's playmaker to a T. Right. So. Unless he's it's running the ball and then he doesn't do that. <laughs> yes. All right, bas- yes. basketball mailbag. I see Victor is listed as a sophomore for the upcoming season, even though he did there's not a couple play. new questions. Oh no, never mind. Never mind. Go ahead. No, Go those ahead. are just comments. Okay. Uh, even though he did not play a minute nor even dress for a game last season, shouldn't he qualify for a medical red shirt from last season and be deemed a freshman for the pending season at hand? Medical red shirt. He's a red shirt, so he's going to be a red shirt freshman no matter what. Medical red shirts only matter if you need two of them mm-hmm. to get a six year, because he basically he essentially he just used his red shirt year. If for whatever reason he has another year he misses to injury, then not only will you get the, the fifth year because you you get the fifth year he gets and and last year was COVID too, right. so he gets the fifth year either way. If you want a sixth year, then you need two medical red shirts, maybe COVID and a medical red. Like, but yeah, do the medical weird. red shirt and the COVID red shirt count the same? Like, who the fuck knows? But I mean, uh, I mean, I think it's gonna be really weird on both sides because in football you see a lot of players too with that. Like, shouldn't he technically be a freshman still, or technically still be a sophomore? I think it's gonna be right. really weird as the seasons wear on. I agree. I'm surprised Memphis has a new quarterback too. <laughs> okay. Does the move to the Big 12 change anything with recruiting in Indiana? No. I mean, though the you know it's not the Big 12 as much. Well, the Big 12 will will allow them to stay in some more things, but here's the problem with Indiana. You're recruiting against Indiana, Purdue, Purdue, Notre Notre Dame, Dame. Butler. Ohio State has a massive presence in Indiana. Michigan Michigan State State and Michigan have a massive presence in Indiana. Like that is much more about relationships that have already built been built long term in that state. Uh, Much more so than like, does the Big 12 help? Yes, the Big 12 helps, but there are still massive obstacles to overcome for the top players in the state of Indiana. Even the Big Ten in general. Penn Penn State will have it, too. Yeah. You want to talk about the power of Bearcat Journal? Uh Uh-oh. Somebody somebody was asking today if they were going to get any updates in the the basketball, you know, about what's happening in practice. Bearcat Uh, Jerry? That was the next question. No. Someone posted in the October open thread. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody that goes by the name of Hep C. Oh. I'll let you take a second to figure that out. I know who it is. Father, how are we? Went to practice today. It was a great workout. Very hardworking kids. Great energy. A first-class operation. 
was really impressed with the coaching West. He's going to be an excellent leader of the program. I know Chad's having a problem getting inside because of his wife's illness. So I'll attempt to help best I can. Wow. Uh, best I can tell off of one shot is Davenport Newman. Uh, Obi, Odie, I, I don't know. That's a doe. Uh, will be the backbone of the team. Others will all contribute at different times. As always, how they gel as a unit will be huge. Should be an exciting season for all Bearcat fans. That is uh, from my friend, Pepsi. That is a, a big-time scout, big-time uh, former coach, the guy who has been quite around uh, the, the town a lot. I think you watched a lot of uh, practices with him, maybe 13 straight years of it, right? Something along those I'm lines? kind of upset that I wasn't informed that that was happening today or I'd have, I'd have probably broken medical protocol and <laughs> gone to the gym. <laughs> I'm sure your wife thanks you. She's, she's behind me. I'm aware. Uh, she's, you know what? That is pretty cool, though, that he was you say? there. She said, I'm allowed to go now, but in two to three weeks, let's stay your ass home. So, well, then let Hep C know, hey, we'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this week sometime. I told there you guys go. that. There you go. So, the next question from Bearcat Jerry was, guys, is there any buzz coming out of practice on players? Love the uh, locked in tidbit last week, but uh, we, we got there just now. Um, uh, go to the October open thread and read the post from Hep C. It's on it's on Thank page you, five. The the yeah. one of the last threads on page five. Uh, from what you know, does Wes embrace new age basketball, only shooting threes, layups, and free throws, or does he have a more old school mindset in that regard, or a blend? I think it's probably a blend. I think there's still some North Carolina, like North Carolina, <laughs> even to the end of the Roy Williams era, was running mostly too big, too big men. Uh, offensive rebounds, offensive rebounding, toughness, yeah. physicality. Uh, I think there is a blend. I, I mean, I think there's a good chance, you know, Jeremiah Davenport's your starter at the four, and that's definitely not a too big set. Um, so I, I think there's a mix and match. I, I think, you know, Wes is a young guy that, that embraces a lot of the changes that are developing in the college basketball world, but he also came up with a system that was very traditional and how they approach things. So uh, I think we'll see a blend. I, I think that's another one of those things. that's going to be really interesting to see how not only this season develops, but the future of roster management and the emphasis placed on, you know, if you're looking around now, the, the, the recruiting world is changing because teams are only really recruiting three quote unquote well, three and a half, quote unquote, positions, guards, wings, stretch fours, which fit into that wing category and then bigs. And you're not seeing a recruitment of five traditional positions. It's like three and a half now. Um, so as these teams are being built going forward, you'll get an indication as to where's at, where Wes is at, you know, specifically on that front. I think Josh Reed is like a, a three and a half, right? Mm -hmm. Where he's got some skills to be a three. He's got some skills to be a four. Uh, it's going to come down to how he develops as to where he's, he's best suited. So I think, you know, Josh is really our first indication of, you know, Wes kind of leaning towards that newer philosophy. 
Well, so last year, point distribution at UNCG, obviously completely different team, different players, things of that sort, but only 31% of the total points came from three. That's 160th in the country. Two-pointers was 54% of their points, which is 72nd in the country. They were uh, in offensive rebounding. They were 53rd. So um, I think three-pointers might jump up a little bit, I would imagine, with the amount of shooters that he has at his disposal and, and game planning and whatnot. But it kind of seems like it's going to be adjustment as the roster pertains. Yeah. All right. And the last one in the basketball mailbag, how do you see the minutes at center playing out as of now? We think Ado is a starter with Kovon Lockin backing him up. We've mentioned that already, um, but it was mentioned Lockin is impressing so far in practice. So does he became the main backup with Koval with less minutes, or can you play two of these three guys at the same time? I think we've covered that a little bit touched, in what we were talking about. I, I think they're going to try to play. Vic, or maybe because of Koval shooting, I think you, you might see one of those guys get some minutes at the four. Um, but you know that you've got you've got Davenport, you've got Odie that's going to get minutes there. Hensley, we'll see. So there's a logjam. Like how West puts together that part of the puzzle uh, as the early season progresses is going to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. All right. Since Chad hates movie questions, I will go to the TV route. And this is in the uh, the Banks mailbag. Uh, who's the TV character you hate the most, and why is it Ted Mosby from How I Met? I like mother? Ted Mosby. I also like Ted Mosby. <laughs> uh, Follow up question: If Aaron is tied to a tree in the forest and left to die, and no one is there to see it, did it really happen? P.S. Thanks for keeping us updated on Kelly's progress, Chad. I cannot begin to imagine how hard this has been for you and Kelsey. And you guys are always in our thoughts and prayers. Thank you. It, is, it hasn't been easy, but we figure it out day by day. It's, it's, it's Ross Geller, right? Most, I mean, he's the worst. Te- he's the worst. Why he's was he ever with Jennifer Aniston? That's None the of thing. that made any sense. None <laughs> of it. It's got to be Ross Geller. Kelly, your least favorite TV character ever? No? Did you like Ross Geller? Friends, Ross? Kelly says Ross was okay. How about guys um hate, guys hated him? Yeah. How about Elijah Cuthbert in 24? Like she was hot, but her character was <laughs> terrible. I've never heard a word she said. It's fair. I'm gonna it's go fair. uh that there you go, Aaron. Uh I'm gonna go Game of Thrones. King Joffrey hated him. Have even I, worse. I, <laughs> even worse than the sausage guy from Game of oh, Thrones. Ramsey. Ramsey, Ramsey Bolton. I yeah, I hated him too, but but man, Joffrey, something about that little twerp. I just really did not like him. I don't know if you remember my Game of Thrones thing. I didn't watch Game of Thrones at all until like the final six episodes. Did you do the catch up thing, or did you just start? No, I just I just season? I jumped in and live tweeted the final six episodes to someone without, that had not seen any of it without any context. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, other than. Every like night of the Sunday was it a Sunday night show? Yeah, I think it was a Sunday yeah. night show. My Twitter timeline being flooded with everybody watching Game of Thrones. So I had a Twitter view of the series, but had never watched it. Huh. Also, never seen Breaking Bad uh, or The Wire. Both not fantastic. judging, not judging, but. 
Yeah. At, at the good. time, at the time that those were happening, I did not have the time com- commitment to to right. watch shows. I got the hiccups right now. Second time in this <laughs> show that you've had the hiccups. That's fantastic. Um, if I die, I die, and yes, it really happens. If I die, get out of here. Um, while we're on the topic of uh, of Kelly, there was a BCJ subscriber who reached out to me to ask if it was appropriate to ask her a question and I'll ask it on his behalf as he was apparently too chicken shit to actually write the question, but he wanted to know where her favorite date with you was in the city. Mm. What's your favorite date we've ever been on, honey? People are asking you mailbag questions right now. Do you ever have a favorite date that we went on? She's thinking, which means okay. no, not really. Well, if she gets, if we, <laughs> if we get, a, if we there's get, there's been answer, so many that I loved, I cannot pinpoint one. She said she's tired and doesn't feel like participating. She has dialysis at six o'clock in the morning. Fair enough. <laughs> I just, I thought since we were asking her questions, I would try. Um, what's one place, restaurant, stadium, museum in Cincinnati? If you could bring back, what would it be and why? Uh, there was a place in Erlanger, right, like where Erlanger and Edgewood kind of meet. I think it was called Waldo Peppers. It's like a pizza place, but it had like an arcade. And like, I just remember that when I was like seven to like 10 years old, that place was the shit. <laughs> I'm going to kind of go the, go the same and, route with you. And then, and then it went away. Uh, and they turned it into like a more of a shopping plaza as opposed to like standalone restaurant. And uh, I miss that place. That place was wanted, awesome. Wanted you to say no red clue Cheetos. if their food was good. No, brass ass, but brass ass is still there. <laughs> Maybe the brass mule is gone. I don't know. COVID, COVID hit a lot of places hard. Wouldn't be able to <laughs> tell you. But, uh, but yeah, mine is, uh, I like two of them because I grew up in Cincy, moved over to Indy though. Uh, two of them would be hugs in. I, I remember going there and, uh, what? Uh, don't give me that face. He's giving me a stink look, but it I just remember me. it. Cause, cause I would go and I would, I, I would shoot hoops while the food was getting ready to come out. I mean, who, what kid doesn't love that? Get, get can, some shots can, up. You can still do kid. that at Dave and Buster's. I thought, I thought you said you like, you went and you did shots with Bob when you were a kid <laughs> at hugs in. that I did too, but that, that came a little bit later. But and I also liked Willie's because a friend of mine, a friend of mine, a, one of my dad's friends, him and Willie are, are friends. And I'm sure you, Chad, you have a close connection with him, too. But we like going there, watching sports and just you know eating bar food. So uh, those. So I got I got I got I got something for you, Brent. Yeah. What were your thoughts on the cornbread at Willie's? I was young, but. Uh, if we got it, then I, I'm sure I enjoyed it because I, I ate quite a lot when I was a little kid. Do you know why or like why Willie's cornbread was so addicting? Was was this something that you've mentioned before? Cocaine. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I forget what the secret ingredient was. Vanilla pudding. Ah, okay. well, we have talked about vanilla pudding and the cornbread before on the show. Take your your favorite cornbread recipe, and for every like one batch of cornbread, you take a cup 
And if you if you really want to make it sweet, you take two cups of vanilla pudding and you put it in the cornbread mix, and that makes the cornbread sweet. And it is Fire. delicious. Fire. I made white chicken chili last night. Best white chicken chili I've ever made. And uh, we made cornbread with vanilla pudding to go with the white chicken chili. I would resurrect the uh, the subway and get rid of the streetcar because it's not doing what it was supposed to be doing. Did the subway ever actually exist? Nope, but I would still resurrect it. And 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 you resurrect something that never lived? I don't know. I mean, these are all hypothetical questions anyway, so moving on. Is is that a museum? It's it's fine. (laughs) It's a a place. A subway. I mean, you know, the streetcar, I've never seen anybody on it. I've seen it a couple (laughs) times rolling around the city. I have no idea what the streetcar is. There's a streetcar in Cincinnati. I've ridden it once. Was there anybody on it? Uh, there were people doing Pokemon Go on it, like grown oh, ass good. adults, grown ass adults playing Pokemon Go on it. It was like a whole group of them. It was That's real a great, weird. great game when it first came out. I thought the whole point of Pokemon Go was to walk around. Instead, they they were hacking the system by riding the streetcar around. I like <laughs> I like I like the ingenuity. I like yeah, the the, chutzpah. the chutzpah. I feel like most of them were smarter, older. not harder. It was right? so strange. It's a great um, way to get. It's a great way to cover cover a lot of ground. Yeah, the city. Great way to catch them all. Uh, whoever has the least Twitter blocks has to buy the beers between the three of you. Can you look up Twitter blocks? Yeah, uh, it's in your profile somewhere. Settings. Settings. Yeah, more security. S- no, settings. not security. Privacy and safety. I don't even know. Yeah, mutant block. Yep, privacy and safety blocked accounts. I have, I have more than I thought. I have eighteen. Wait, is this like who we are blocking? Yeah, yeah. How many? How many, how many people many, you've blocked? How many people do you have blocked? Oh, I, where's the number? I don't see a number. It's, I got a long list here, but I don't see a number. I'm not counting. On your phone, they have it. I mean. Oh. I mean, I'll I'll answer this. I, I'm buying the round of beers. I have zero people that I've blocked. You also don't tweet a lot, like yeah i i don't I don't tend to get a little controversial. You don't, you, well, you don't like you're not you're not rolling up your sleeves and getting getting dirty in these right. Twitter streets, right? I mean, if 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 I need to, I will. Let's do uh, it. How many How many do you have, Aaron? Eighteen. Oh well, I mean, damn, Aaron, eighteen. Who who do you hate? I, I um, still even on mobile. I don't. None of them are personal. None of them are personal accounts. I can tell you exactly what they are. They're all ads that I never want to see again. So I block. Oh wow, interesting. Good point. I've never thought about that. Yep. Twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. Then they stop showing up, Aaron. Twenty-six, twenty-seven. Those particular ads, I'll never see again. Thirty. 31, That's a smart move, though. 34, Like 2020. 36, never want to see another 2020 30, 8, 39, ad. Not just 40, a hat 40, rack 40, by 40, you. There. 42, 43, Oprah Daily. 44, never wanted to see another 46, Oprah Daily ad. Sometimes I like to hear what Oprah's up to. 49, 50, American Music Awards. I'm good on those. Two, oh, come on. The AMAs are fun. FC Barcelona. Seven, no thanks. Eight, nine, yeah, I could, 10, I, I'm not a big 12, football 13, guy. 14, 
Fannie Mae, 15, the penny hoarder. 16. Ooh, big no for that 15, one. 20. This one might be my favorite account that I blocked. Uh, the name of the account is uh, Chad Brendel's twat. And uh, <laughs> the description is I suck off McCronin and have a micro penis. <laughs> uh, oh, if only we could name this episode that. <laughs> Shit. I looked at the account. And it set me back to the beginning. I'm not counting again. I was at I was at I was at 60. All right. And well, there's there's a lot more. Most like there's a large number of like Michigan and Michigan State fans that I just don't want to hear from ever again. Mine was all literally all ads that I've blocked. Brent just he wants to see it all. I'm not a hater. I'm a lover. Well, that's the mailbag, gentlemen. You think I you think I should open the floodgates and just unblock everyone? <laughs> That's I don't know what totally the outcome would call. be of that. <laughs> I mean, if you get bored enough. I don't really here, want to do that. Why not? <laughs> There's a couple that need to remain blocked. Like, just because. Yeah. Just like because. the aforementioned? I No, I'd like to hear what that account has to say, I think. <laughs> Zero tweets out of them, out of their existence. Five right? followers, though. There's, I've got a fan club. <laughs> well, it's like the people, it's like I get these people now that are like, you need to stop doing this on Twitter. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. Like, this is my personal account. I'm, I'm having fun on Twitter the way I oh. deem to have fun. I, 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 have, I have no interest. In that account me. has one follower. It's a Fiona, Fiona Nolan. I think that's a fake account. But they are uh, following Bill Gates, Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres, Entrepreneur, and Richard Branson. It's kind of a uh, interesting account there. <laughs> that's that's Chad Brendel's twat. Yes, that is. <laughs> you you are highly esteemed that uh, that appendage of yours. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, we did I, also you get. Know, I've done the sex. I've had a kid. So <laughs> we we did also get a a late submission to the mailbag for the football. Feels like Desmond isn't running as much. Is that a reality? And if so, why? We covered it. But I did mm-hmm. want to mention that the question was acknowledged. Read through the questions. If it's already there, you don't have to ask again. We're going to get to it. Promise. And if we don't, Chad Brendel's twat will probably <laughs> pick up the slack. Yeah. I, I've, right. blocked, I've blocked Brad Chendel twice. <laughs> <laughs> They thought that account was so funny they made it twice because they didn't think I would block it the second time. It's like like couscous or mahi mahi. Right. Well, you know mahi mahi is just dolphin, right? It's the fish so nice they named it twice. No, they didn't. Well, they they did name it twice. The first time they named it dolphin, and then to get people to eat it, they named it mahi mahi. Yeah, and couscous, <laughs> which is just like tiny pasta right exactly and that's the dish so nice they named it twice anyway uh anything anything else out of you guys this is a uh, this is a good one this is a good one we got a we got new orleans halloween this weekend tulane chad not tulsa tulsa is the week after which by the way a phenomenal kickoff time the 330 for that tulsa game did i this weekend 
did I mix it up and not know, not, or are you just making? Oh no, fun I'm of just me? saying that. For not this okay. time. Yeah. Okay, I was just making sure. So far, Although, you so far you've been good. I can't wait to have that common opponent under both our belts. Woo! Ohio State. Ah, there you go. I like that. I like that. But can't jump ahead. One game at a time. Tulane this weekend. Twelve noon kickoff. ESPN dose. This is going to be another chance for the Bearcats to come out and kind of just really show the country what they can do. Uh, Chad and, and Dave will probably have a deeper dive on that game and much, much more on the BCJ pod. But yet again, this was another fantastic episode. You've been listening to the BBP. Oh, wait, let me say for my good buddies, my pals, my friends. Thank you, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel. But this is another beautiful edition of the BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com.